Center 11. Yeah, 6.09 got things started a little bit late today uh, due to a, a, a snafu. We forgot Val wasn't here. <laughs> Comedian Michelle Wolf <laughs> is receiving widespread backlash over her speech at the White House Correspondents' Dinner at the yearly event. Wolf, Wolf. took aim at the many notable people in the room. At one point, Wolf referred to the White House Press Secretary, Sarah Sanders, as an Uncle Tom, but for white women who disappoint other white women. Oh, man. She also said Sanders' token smoky eye look was made from the ashes of burnt facts. In her 19-minute roast, uh, Michelle Wolf also took shot at Democrats and the media. She said, Mr. Trump has helped you sell your papers and your books and your TV. You helped create this monster, and now you're profiting from him. Wolf's roast has garnered criticism from Oof. both sides of the aisle. That wasn't, yeah, that didn't finish the joke that she had there. She said, so give him money because he doesn't have any. People think she went too far. Everyone's mad. I mean, you know, this happens every time. Mr. President, I don't think you're very rich. <laughs> like, I think you might be rich in Idaho, but in New York, you're doing fine. Trump is the only person that still watches who wants to be a millionaire and thinks, me. <laughs> Although I'm not sure you'd get very far. He'd get to like the third question and be like, I have to phone a fox and friend. <laughs> We're gonna try a fun new thing, okay? I'm gonna say Trump is so broke and you guys go, how broke is he? All right? Trump is so broke. How broke is he? He has to fly failed business class. <laughs> Trump is so broke, he looked for foreign oil in Don Jr.'s hair. Trump is so broke, he, he, Southwest used him as one of their engines. I know, it's so soon. It's so soon for that joke. Why did she tell it? It's so soon. Trump is so broke, uh, he had to borrow money from the Russians and now he's compromised and not susceptible to blackmail and possibly responsible for the collapse of the Republic. Yay! It's a fun game. All right, her voice is really I, I just can't. grating. It's, it's maybe the most unfortunate voice yeah. next to Fran Drescher that's, that's out there. She talks about it. I don't know. I mean, for me, I thought there were parts of it that were really, really funny. I think her voice is uh, a little bit annoying, but uh, people get pissed at this all the time. It was very vulgar, which set it apart from like the Stephen Colbert takedown of George W. Bush, which was like this brilliant satire. Uh, this was a roast. They wanted her to roast them, so she did. And now they're upset. And now they're mad that she went in and roasted them. You know, it's uh, last time they did this, they got so pissed about Stephen Colbert. The next year, they hired Rich Little. So look uh, for Jeff Dunham or. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Comedian Dan Ninen, perhaps, or uh, some of the other more <laughs> milk toast. Dave Coulier is going uh, to be hosting yeah. the White House Correspondents Dinner I next don't know. year. No, his fart material that he did on our show is a little risque. It's a little blue or brown, depending on how you look at it. The attorney was part of the O.J. Simpson legal de defense dream team during the ex-football star's double murder trial. Is speaking out about Bill Cosby. Robert Shapiro told TMZ that no one could have defended the entertainer once known as America's dad. Shapiro made the remark Thursday night while leaving the Avera restaurant in Beverly Hills. The high-profile lawyer added it was stupid for Cosby to go after District Attorney Kevin Steele since the Norristown, Pennsylvania judge hasn't pronounced sentence yet. 
Jers this week, that's when he said, like, I don't have a plane, you a-hole. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the high-profile lawyer uh, said it was dumb because he hadn't pronounced sentence yet. And Jers this week found Cosby guilty of drugging and sexually assaulting Andrea Constant at his Philadelphia home in 2004. He faces up to 30 years in prison and is free on a million dollars bail until his sentencing. New Avengers movie, breaking box office records. Avengers Infinity War is breaking box office records all throughout the country and uh, North Amer- all of North America. The latest Disney Marvel film is estimated to sell a quarter billion dollars in tickets, <laughs> which makes it the biggest opening weekend of all time in the U.S. and Canada. It's also on track to earn $630 million worldwide. Coming in second is last week's top movie, A Quiet Place, which sold nearly 11 million bucks worth of tickets. That thing's been going nuts. That's crazy. The horror picture has made just over $148 million since its release four weeks ago. Rounding out this week's top five are the Amy Schumer comedy, I Feel Pretty, which still uh, is doing well, which co-stars Good. Rory uh, Scovel, who will be on the DV Comedy Fest, FYI. Yeah. Uh, and uh, also Rampage and Black Panther finishing it out. So those two are still doing good numbers. Don't you office. feel like every time a Marvel movie comes out now, it's breaking numbers and breaking records and making history? Did you and Steve go watch it this weekend? No. He'd already seen it. Oh, yeah. He was at the premiere. Duh. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's he's probably seen it four times already. Yeah. He was cool. Steve <laughs> Byrne, if you missed it, called us on Friday to talk about his experience going to the Infinity War premiere, Hollywood premiere, with one of the stars, Scarlett Johansson, and her boyfriend, yeah. his friend, Colin Jost from SNL. So, Colin's such a good dude. <clears throat> he's been on SNL now for what? Almost decade. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I remember seeing him. It was, he was just a writer on SNL. Serena and I were in New York City. I was doing Gotham with Brewer. I ran into him right outside of 30 Rock and was like, hey, what's up, dude? And he was like, nothing, man. He's like, I'm on my way to work. And I was like, that's so weird that you get to go to 30 Rock for work. Like, that's awesome. And he said, what are you guys doing tonight? I said, oh, I have shows. And he said, why don't you come to the after party? And I'm like, okay. I'm like, oh, he's just being nice. 2.30 in the morning, get a text. Hey, come on over. We're at this place called Budokan downtown. I'm like, all right. We oh, showed how up. awesome is that? He sat with us the whole night, hung out with us. I mean, there's all these famous celebrities around, and we're just sort of gawking at them. And then now he's the head writer and... Yeah. Dating Scarlett Johansson. Yeah. Things are going good for him. It's going all right. Yeah. Eric Clapton is set to chronicle his long-running series of Crossroads Festivals in a forthcoming photo book titled Sunshine of Your Love, The Crossroads Festivals, 1999 to 2013. The limited edition book and record record set will feature over 350 archival photographs and exclusive interviews with Clapton and countless performers. Featured artists include Bob Dylan, Keith Richards, Buddy Guy, B.B. King, and Carlos Santana, among many others. The over 200-page book will be limited to 1,650 copies and will be available this June. I went to one of those in Chicago. It was awesome. Was it? Was it was one of the coolest concerts I ever went to, yeah. B.B. King closed it out, and, you know, he always sat down. It was like a year before he died. and wow. uh, it, But he walked a stadium. Never seen anything like it. After a day of guitar greats, B.B. King was just, like, doing the old guy telling stories thing. Really? And he just wouldn't stop. And it went on and on and on. And after, like... Did he, like, play the whole guitar riff from Catcher in the Rye? Like, uh, <laughs> he would, like, bring... Like people. Andy Kaufman? He set everyone out. Uh, he, he'd be like, uh, Eric, come on out here, Eric. And then Eric Clapton sat next to him. And then Derek Truck sat next to him. Doyle Bramall and uh, John Mayer. 
And, you know, he just kept bringing guys out and they would like sit down like the other guitars, like they're going to do this epic jam session. And then he just started talking to all of them and it didn't stop. And it had been like a 12 hour day. So a lot of people were like, you know what? I'm going to get on the train. Never played. <laughs> Not really. It was just talking. And the band was like keeping it in the background, like, you know, and you kept waiting for them to break into something and it just never happened. <laughs> And that we, would be hilarious. We were like, oh, this like is sad. So we wa we left. Blues, small talk. It, it, and it was it was like the death of the show. It killed the show. What kind of coffee y'all like? Boom, boom. I told boom, Eric, boom, boom, Eric, boom, tell boom. him what I told you. Hold on. I'll can someone get me another chair? Like, just not anything that you wanted to stick around for. It was, it was sad in a, in a lot of ways. But also, you know. Those guys were all looking at their future. They're like, oh, man, that's going to be me one day. The world's a table, y'all, and there ain't enough chairs. No, I'm being for real. There's not enough chairs out here. Seriously, I'm metaphor. being literal. Green Day frontman Billy Joe Armstrong addressing some fans' concerns about the trio breaking up. The Rock and Roll Hall of Famer last week released a debut album from his new band, The Long Shots, sparking rumors of a Green Day split. Armstrong put the rumors to rest with a post on the Longshot's Instagram story responding to a question about a possible breakup writing. The answer is no. He went on to explain that he's just having some fun with some friends before telling fans worried about Green Day to shut the bleep up. And uh, George Clinton, funk master George Clinton of Parliament Funkadelic fame, is set to retire from touring next year. I can't believe he hasn't already. In a statement announcing, and if you see some of the shows in the last year, you would have thought he did as well. <laughs> in a statement announcing his retirement, Clinton said the decision has been coming a long time. You know, noting that for the past couple of years, he's been out front less and less. He literally would sit in his bus and smoke crack. Oh. And then the band would be out there playing. Whoa. Forever. That's not that's not funkadelic. Uh, yeah, I mean, maybe he doesn't smoke crack anymore, but uh, it wasn't too long ago that he was still smoking crack. Uh, the Rock and Roll Hall of Famer, whose countless hits include Atomic Dog, Flashlight, will celebrate his 77th birthday in July. Again. 77? How did this guy live to be 77? People talk about Keith Richards. I want to talk about George Clinton. How did he live to be 77? It's all genetics. He's still going. He uh, had a, uh, a pacemaker installed last July. He'll officially retire from the road. In May, and the thing that got everybody excited over the weekend—I don't know if you saw it—ABBA—is announcing plans to release new music for the first time in 35 years. Two new songs are already recorded, uh, including a song called "I Still Have Faith in You," which will premiere in a two-hour television special in December. How about I, that? I wonder what happens to your pacemaker when you smoke crack. <laughs> Does it just explode? Set it, set it for crack, <laughs> no, Doc. I need you to set my pacemaker so for crack. It just, it just turns off yeah. so that when you smoke crack, your heart just starts. It's like, yeah, it's like, well, we don't need this. Well, our work here is done. Um, I don't want to be redundant. <laughs> uh, Mike Pursuta will be in uh, shortly. DVE Sports. All right, Mike Pursuta with your sports right now on the DVE Morning Show in an interesting draft for the Steelers this year in as much as uh, <laughs> it was all over the place and a couple of surprises. And when the Steelers tell you that sometimes it's about the best player, boy, this, this draft was proof of that when they move up and trade up to get a quarterback in the third round. And is he the quarterback of the future? So many questions left unanswered in here to do his best 
to explain them all to uh, to you here is Mike Pursuta with your sports on DVE. Sports is brought to you by Xfinity from Comcast. It didn't look like they were all in to try to win a Super Bowl this year, did it? The Steelers. It uh, looked. It was confusing to me. It, it looked made- like they were trying to get guys to maximize the whatever length of window is left in the Ben Roethlisberger era. Yeah, that, that was my biggest take. Which it, do you agree with that or not? Um, yeah, I don't know. I think you try to win when you have a franchise quarterback. Yeah, I do too. I thought they'd be a little more uh, focused on the here and now. But uh, let's start with the Penguins because there's a lot to chew on there okay. as well. Uh, four to one Caps yesterday in Game Two in the Eastern Conference semifinals in D.C. But it was three to one Caps and uh, seemingly three to two Caps at the nine oh three mark of the third period. Patrick Hornquist put the puck in the net. Sidney Crosby trying to wrap around. Didn't quite get there. The puck squirted out into the slot. I, I don't know how many angles uh, the Warham in Toronto needed to see. Not just that still shot that everybody had. Hornquist shoves the puck into the net, and it rolls behind the post. You, you can see it yes. go over the line, yes. and then you see it disappear. Now, right. I, know, I know you can't see it at this point, but you know the post is the goal line. Yes. So if it's behind the post and covered up by the skirt of the net, it's in. And then Braden Holpe kind of digs it out with his toe, and as he's dragging it back, you can see the white. Uh, I don't know what the NHL needed to see. Mike Sullivan didn't know what the NHL needed to see either. Well, my view was that it, 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 it's 100% a goal. You know, when you <laughs> blow it up, you can see the white. It's behind the post. Whether you use deductive reasoning or you can see the white, whatever it may be, uh, that's how we saw it. So... We, we respectfully disagree with, with the league and, and their ruling, but uh, that's not anything that we can control. And this is what I hate about replay, is, is all the de- constant delays and the waiting around on dramatic plays such as touchdowns or goals or guys sliding, all weekend long. guys sliding in the home plate, whatever, and they still get it wrong, and they get it wrong in every sport. It's not just hockey. If you can't... Get it right 100% of the time when you have all this technology. Why are we wasting our time with all this Overtime technology? Saturday night between uh, Vegas and uh, um, um, San, the, Jose. San Jose. Talking about the interference? Uh, the the goal they called back. Yeah. yeah, it was goal interference. Was it or wasn't it? Wow. I, I didn't think so. <laughs> Me I, neither. I, I didn't study that one like this is a Bruder film like I do these Penguins ones, but... Uh, but yeah, point being, what's a goal yeah. now? What yeah. is it? Well, replay is supposed to fix, you know, any kind of call that the refs can't make with the human eye. It was called a no goal, right? Well, that was they not never they did, clear. They did not signal goal. They just blew it dead. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. So so what's the call on the ice there? No goal? Well, yeah, if you're not signaling goal, then, then the it's no goal. Yeah. All right. Because, they, they, like, I guess them not making that clear pissed me off. So to well, me. Well, if it's a goal, they, they're pointing and. It's obvious if if they're just if their hands go up and they're just calling a stoppage in play. It's just a stoppage in play. Uh, see, to me, that's what replay should be able to fix when the refs can't see what happened. Once you slow it down and you see the tape and you see the the puck over the line yeah. with the white, it goes over. It disappears because it's clearly behind the post in the skirt of the net, and then it comes back and it's in, and then it wasn't. Uh, and how might that have changed the game? Well, I would have made it three to two with about eleven minutes left. Yeah, uh, take it from there. Sidney Crosby thought it was a goal as well. I thought it was. I mean, 
you know, I understand what they're saying. They don't have a clear view of the puck over the line, but I think you can clearly see if the puck's on, on its edge behind the post. It's not, it's not possible for it to line. So, um, you know, I, I don't know the angles that they have, but the one I saw looked, looked pretty clear that it, it had to be a goal. And to make it uh, unanimous, Patrick Hornquist thought it was a goal. I thought it was in, and uh, you know what? Uh, I, I don't think they obviously they couldn't see it, but uh, from my angle, it, it looked it was in. But yeah, that's hockey. What, what can you do about it now? Yeah, a lot of lot of talk it? for the about the parallax angles yesterday. Yeah, I don't know where that's coming from. Big day that. for the parallax angle truthers. <sighs> These things happen. You gotta you do. gotta suck it up and deal with it. I thought they got. Handled in the first period, the really bad first period. Handled. And I thought they played well after that. And battled, pushed back, keeping it together, continuing to play the game, playing it the right way. Gave uh, up an early goal again, but not, not to Ovechkin seconds. again. The, uh, the lasting impact on the series, the, the Hornquist non-call was uh, impactful on game two. Uh, the lasting uh, impact on the series might be what happened to Brian Dumoulin at 426 of the second period? Uh, he's being chased by Tom Wilson and confronted by Alex Ovechkin. Dumoulin pulls up, turns back, and winds up getting uh, shouldered in the head by Tom Wilson. He did not play thereafter. And uh, welcome to the Penguins' biggest fear. What if something happens to one of the top six defensemen on this uh, potential run to a third Stanley Cup? Dumoulin wound up playing eight minutes and 59 seconds yesterday. Uh, his extended absence would be bad. I mean, you think yes. that Tom Wilson shot deserves a look by the league? I'm sure they'll look at it. Um, hey, to be the voice of reason here, but he's chasing Dumoulin from behind. It's hard to hit a guy with your shoulder from behind. Dumoulin slammed the brakes on and duck turned away from Ovechkin. I don't think it's going to draw anything. Mm. Although, that, you know, I don't know how the NHL thinks either. And Tom Wilson's a repeat offender. I'm sure they'll factor that in. Yep. And Dumoulin suffered an injury, and they seem to factor that in. No, they always but, factor in the injury. Yeah, you have to come close to dying. Yeah, if a guy bounces up and he's okay, it's no no harm, no foul. And if he's hurt, then there, there seems to be a quid pro quo. Yeah, so. you heard him. I got to suspend you. Yeah. It's, that's the dumbest rule. But What'd you way, go and break his skin for? Um, at, um, He said... I'm at no point trying to target the head at all when talking about that hip. Yeah, well, I don't know if I'd buy that either. I think he saw an opportunity and, uh, yes. and took it. That's what he, I think it was. He says he grazed Dumoulin's head. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Dumoulin turned into it. It's like you can't hit a guy with your shoulder from behind if the guy's continuing to go forward. You just can't. He didn't want to get hit by Ovechkin, I have... and he didn't have any idea that Wilson was behind him. But Wilson saw the whole thing happening. Yeah. He sees that there's going to be a collision potentially looks between like Ovechkin he's, he's, and Dumoulin. He's trying to get out of the way of it, but he's also the shoulder. He's like, hey, I can uh, – little contact's possible. Oh, look at this. That's. I mean, I'm. we're all trying to get inside his head on this. Nobody really knows, but that's what it looked like. It but, looks like a dirty hit fell into his lap is what it yeah. looked like to me. Yeah, that's well stated. <laughs> but, it, that, yeah, I, I, I would agree with that, but I, it wouldn't surprise me at all if the league said, well, Dumoulin stopped and – and lowered himself. Oh, I fully turned. expect him to, yeah. yeah. I don't think anything will happen to Tom Wilson. Because that's one of the explanations when there's something along the boards. They say, well, the guy turned at the last second and the player was already committed to going where, you know, the offending player couldn't couldn't change at the last second. We've heard that explanation before. Mm-hmm. I you think know, we're going to hear it again. But they, again, the Wilson history, 
and the Dublin injury might impact that as well. For sure. Niskanen's taking out Sid in, in a playoff series against these guys. You knew Wilson was going to be uh, hitting hard out there. That's, welcome to the playoffs. This is uh, second round uh, NHL playoffs. Let's bring it back here. If we can get Malkin and Haglin back on the ice, that'll be huge. And if you can't, uh, they played they played well for two periods yesterday. Got to got to start a little better. And uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, first two games, few too many uh, odd man rushes, glorious chances for the Capitals. Are playing a little loose at the start of these games, but I thought they shut that stuff down uh, well for the most part as the game went on. Game two or game three, excuse me, is Tuesday night. Uh, Nashville beat Winnipeg in double overtime last night. Five to four. That series is even at a game apiece. Tonight, it's the uh, Bruins and the Lightning in Tampa. Boston's up one game to none, and uh, Vegas, San Jose shifts to San Jose. That series is tied at a game apiece. Shall we uh, take five and then yes. uh, do a little Steeler draft talk? Yep. When we come back, meet your 2018 Steeler draft class with Mike Pursuta here on your home of the black and gold 102.5. DVE. Mike pursued a filling us in with what went on in the draft. And uh, uh, Mike, what went on? Because honestly, I uh, I was okay with the first round draft pick. I thought, okay, maybe they reach for this guy. And then all of a sudden I started going, well, what are they doing this for? Well, what did they get that for? And it all slowly <laughs> became clear to me, but still, I'm going to need you to uh, fill in the gaps. Well, the, the, the gap is... Um they didn't appear to be all in in terms of trying to win the Super Bowl this coming year. And Kevin Colbert had said before the draft that, you know, it was going to be part column A and part column B. They were going to try to get as much help as they could for this year, but they were also not going to forego the future. And he says every year that they take the best athlete available. Every year we say they're full of crap, and then they wind up taking the position that they need the most. And they did that again this year. Uh, People have to get their head around Terrell Edmonds, the safety from Virginia Tech, being a safety-slash-linebacker, a, a sub-package linebacker, a hybrid guy, part of the new wave of uh, safety-slash-linebackers that are starting to populate uh, NFL secondaries on passing downs, and uh, this is the way they're going. The more I hear about this guy, the more I like him, uh, the less I think he was a reach, and the more I think he can help. So I think they did a real good job on the first round. James Washington, the wide receiver out of Oklahoma State, on the second round, he looks like a running back. At 5'11", 213, but he goes down the field. He catches deep balls. He competes for the ball. He's a tough guy receiver, which fits their mold. They had gotten rid of Martavis Bryant, uh, so now you have a deep threat. Uh, whether or not he catches the ball or not, he's got to be accounted for stretching the field. Uh, then we get to the third round and quarterback Mason Rudolph, and this will ultimately be the pick that defines this draft. Uh, did they get Ben Roethlisberger's hair apparent? Offensive coordinator Randy Feigner said, I don't know. But that doesn't mean they didn't. That's a vote of confidence. Well, what they're telling you is they're at the point where they don't want Ben Roethlisberger to go away and not have a viable option as a successor on the roster. Well, we know he he can throw it to Washington. Yes. (laughs) Well, and and because he said it, it might be my last year. And then said, I want to play three more years. So he's indicated that there's ambiguity he's, there. He's all over the place. You so they know. need to protect themselves against what he may ultimately decide. Yeah. Theoretically, he might win the Super Bowl and, and right a career. Um, a, a, Which, by the way, I think he would. A serious injury could change. Maybe he's sitting here right now listening to the DV morning show at home, getting the kids up and thinking, I'm going to play five more years. 
Yeah, I can go into my 40s like Brady. But maybe a serious injury changes that thinking. Or maybe an injury changes the plans for him. Uh, They're at the point where he's going to be gone sooner rather than later, even if he lasts another five years or so. And uh, that's why they went out and got Mason Rudolph, a guy Kevin Colbert really likes. It got to a point where it was a very easy decision for us to add such a quality quarterback uh, to our team. You know, this, this draft had a, had a really good, unique quarterback class that we haven't had that much depth at the top of this position or at the top of the draft at that position in a long time. And, and Mason was certainly a part of that group, in our opinion. And when he was available to us at that point in the third round, it was a very easy decision for us to choose him. And that, the, the ease of that decision, I, I think, depends on what you think of Mason Rudolph because uh, the Steelers thought he was right up there with any of the other first-round quarterbacks this year. Uh, a lot of other people think he's not that good. Uh, at 6'5", 235, he's got Big Ben size. He does not have a Big Ben arm. He is coming out of a, a Oklahoma State system that is up-tempo, pass first, pass second, pass third, and it's a one-read system. He's not asked to go through progressions like he's going to have to do in the NFL. He was not asked to work under center like he's going to have to do in the NFL, and his mobility is not good. Uh, so there's a lot for this guy to work on. He's not a plug-and-play quarterback. Uh, and then the other part of that is, what if Ben is here for four or five more years? Can he sit that long? He's going to need some time to develop, but what if he gets too much time to develop and he winds up not playing for a long time? And uh, that's not the way anybody wants to enter the league either. So... A lot remains to be seen with Mason Rudolph. This much we know, he's not going to help them win the Super Bowl in 2018. No. The the other uh, third-round pick, offensive tackle, Chuck Wama Akorafor from Western Michigan, offensive tackle, is yeah. not going to help them win the Super Bowl in 2018. Uh, Fifth-round safety, Marcus Allen, uh, might help him on special teams. That's about it. Uh, running back Jalen Samuels out of North Carolina State. The Steelers consider him a running back. He was a tight end in college, considered an H-back type. Uh, he catches a lot of balls, runs the ball a little bit. Does he help this year? Yeah, maybe. Is he a long-term eventual replacement for Le'Veon Bell? Probably not. Let me ask you this, Mike. Is it a case now where we have drafted and signed a bunch of guys in the secondary to play defensive schemes that they're not accustomed to, being coached by a guy who never coached them in the secondary anyways. Oh, no, I think they're accustomed to the scheme. It's, they're not the first ones to be adopting this scheme. It's, it's kind of what... Patriots Ed, do. This is what Edmonds did at Virginia Tech. That's my, this yeah, is college what, is more my... This is what Morgan Burnett did in Green Bay. Okay. He played uh, safety, slot corner, linebacker. Yeah, okay. If you have the physical skill set, if, you, if you're 200-plus pounds and you can still run a little bit, this is what you do now. And Edmonds, really, his body type is not all that far from Shazier. He's not uh, as long and he's not as athletic. But This seems to be the way that the NFL is trending in response to the athletic tight ends yes. that have dominated. Tight ends don't block anymore. They line up as, as de facto slot guys right. and run down the field. It's a vertical game. They do that with three wide receivers and a passing down running back. And you gotta be you got to have your backside covered in case they run it on you. In that situation, but you got to be able to cover these guys. And, uh, you know, Buchanan with Arizona, 
Jones with Atlanta. Shazier with Pittsburgh was kind of drafted mm-hmm. for this purpose. Now you're going to see more of that. I don't have any problem with the defensive philosophy. I just boy, they you know a third round pick to take a quarterback who who's not going to play this year. Was this really the time to draft Ben's replacement? Hey, if the kid works out, maybe Ben plays two more years. Rudolph, and you just Rudolph plays year three, and he's really good, and you you pulled off the smooth transition to your next guy. But that's a big if. They must really believe in him though, because they took Dobbs what with the fourth pick last year. Yeah. So you know they're basically washing that pick away by doing this. Well, what they're what they're telling us is their philosophy now is maybe they're going to take one every year. Uh, particularly if you see a guy, they're not sure of either one of these guys, but Dobbs or Rudolph, but if you see something in them that you think you can work with, if you see something you think that leads you to believe they might be the guy, then you got to take a chance. That's their thinking. So who's the odd man out on this roster? Dobbs? I would say Dobbs. Yeah, it's got to yeah. be Dobbs. I, I think you go into it. Uh, I'd be surprised if it's not Ben first, Landry second, and Rudolph uh, figuring out what the hell's going on at this level. Well, you know Dobbs is going to be all right. He can go do rocket science now. Yeah, that's right. Go build a spaceship or jet engine or something. Uh, Joshua Frazier, the last pick, uh, the seventh seventh rounder, defensive tackle, Alabama, six three three twenty one. Uh, they needed another non productive defensive tackle to take <laughs> to take Dan McCullough's spot. Mike Pursuta would draft the guy. Uh, uh, recap there for you. Hey, Nick King made his major league debut for the Buckos yesterday. Seven innings, one hit. No walks, nine strikeouts. How about that? They sweep St. Louis with a 5 nothing Sweet. win. 17 wins in the month of April. 17-11 and 11 on to Washington. It still hasn't stopped fans from being irate. One fan asked to remove his T-shirt at the game this past weekend. We'll hear from uh, team owner Bob Nutting about the guy who wore a shirt that said, Nutting spent, Nutting wins. Or won, or something like that. Spend Nutting, win Nutting. That's it. Spend Nutting, win Nutting. They asked him to take off a shirt yeah. and then said, oh, well, we screwed up. Well, Bob Nutting will, will join us to talk about that a little bit later on this morning. Also, Seth Rohrbaugh from The Athletic will talk about the Penguins-Caps game two, how the Pens got jobbed, should Wilson get a suspension. That was clearly a goal, was it not? Etc. Etc. And also, what about Dumo now? Do we lose him for the series? I mean, that looked brutal, and that would be a uh, hell of a blow to the Pittsburgh Penguins for a defenseman who has really come into his own. Uh, that plus the director of the Sheets versus Wawa documentary, Matthew, Matthew Fridge, on the show. And Mike, Tim Benz is not basking in ambiguity when it comes to his opinions on the quarterback, Mason Rudolph. He loves the guy. He thinks this is the best move the Steelers made in the draft. He just loves him because he's really tall. That's pro- <laughs> Benz, he'll talk about that and other uh, moves <laughs> about the draft. 9-15 this morning. And uh, George Clinton, funk master George Clinton of Parliament Funkadelic fame, is set to retire from touring next year. I can't believe he hasn't already. The statement announcing, and if you see some of the shows in the last year, you would have thought he did as well. <laughs> in a statement announcing his retirement, Clinton said the decision has been coming a long time. Yeah. Noting that for the past couple of years, he's been out front less and less. Literally, he would sit in his bus and smoke crack. Oh. And then the band would be out there playing. Whoa. Forever. I wonder what happens to your pacemaker when you smoke crack. <laughs> Does it just explode? Set it, set it for crack. <laughs> no, Doc, I need you to set my pa- pacemaker so for it crack. Just, it just turns off yeah. so that when you smoke crack, your heart just starts. So, yeah, it's like, well, we don't need this. Well, 
Our work here is done. Randy Bellman and the DVE Morning Show. Well, Val is filling in for Sean McDowell this week, so she'll be doing afternoons, and we have the wonderful Sally Wigan filling in here with your news this morning. And Sally, it is a pleasure to see you. You look wonderful this morning. Good morning, morning. Sally. Oh, actually, I just came. I, it was so much easier to get in today because I just threw on the clothes I had on yesterday. Well, you look great. Thanks for dressing up for us. How many times do you wear the same clothes like two or three days in a row? Uh, I'll wear the same jeans for a long time. Mm-hmm. I've been wearing these since last April, yeah. <laughs> these jeans. But I won't wear the same shirt, you know? Like, I won't wear the same t-shirt or shirt day day to day. I yeah. typically will give every, every shirt a day. Now, a collared shirt, that'll get another day. I just put it on the bench for a while. You know, it doesn't need to get washed necessarily. Right. But the undershirt, yeah, that one's done. Oh, yeah. Well, so that, one and done. Yeah. Underwear, one and done. Yes. Tell you another thing I have a hard time doing. Yes. Uh, if I was wearing like uh, boxers mm-hmm. and then I go to the gym later in the day, mm-hmm. I have a Ooh. real hard time putting back on the old boxers that I wore for the first part of the day. You know what I mean? After going to the gym. So like I wear boxers and then I'll put, you know, you don't wear boxers to the gym, you know? So you have to put on like, you know, underwear for athletic, your, wear. athletic wear, you know? And uh, I, I don't go back typically to the underwear I was wearing earlier in the day because I feel like. Well, I just took a shower, and I'm going to put on the underwear you I wore for 10 hours. You shower at the gym? No, well, I showered home, but I shower after the gym. Well, is this confusing to you? Waste, I'll write it out. I'll get a, some flashcards. That's a waste of the, the boxers in the morning. You need to finish them out. Yeah, but I start at 5 o'clock in the morning, and then I'll take them <laughs> all the way to- Give them another chance, man. But I give them all the way till 4 p.m. So that's a long time, don't you think? And like an 11-hour run of boxers, and then they just put so those wait, back on? So wait, but here's my question. After you finish the gym, you obviously change. Right. So then are those your boxers for the next day? That, no. But see, I'm. you know what? Because of the differences, uh-huh. I'm, I'm not getting this. But if I go down that rabbit hole, yeah. it's going to be inappropriate. So I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole. There's nothing sexual about this. This is just no, no. It's not speak. sexual. It's just anatomical differences, oh, which I would think I see you what would you're be. Saying. Okay. Do you see what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. Okay. No, I don't want to. Let's wanna... not go down that. No. Rabbit hole. Which I. <laughs> <laughs> let's not. Yeah. Let's stay out of there. Which, let's do the news. Let's just get away from the let's rabbit hole. Let's do the news because I'm not going to go. I'm not going to do this this time because I always get myself in trouble when I'm here. Who's going to fire you? They can. <laughs> I still got seven more months, babe. They can. They can. They Come on, won't. you're like a sovereign nation. Yeah. You're, you have your own constitution. An authoritarian yeah. sovereign nation, <laughs> since there are so many of them now. Yes. Mm. Okay, uh, the, news, <laughs> the news is brought to you by Golden Oak Lending. Hold on a moment. Oh, Before we get to I the news. Up? No, no. Um, I should have steered you here. Uh, well, let's check with the weather real quick. Uh, I want to go, uh, send it over to the Channel 11 Weather Center brought to you by Bridgeville Appliance. Center 11. Okay, there you go. That's my fault. No, it's not. Sally Wigan with your news right now. How are you, Sally? I'm fine. Great. I hijacked, hijacked it once again. News is brought to you by Golden Oak Lending. See, you said hijack, and I think that that was a Freudian slip. <laughs> no, That's it right. Was. Yeah. It was. Don't go down this rabbit hole. I can't. I uh, don't even. Stay away. South I wear hijacks every day. <laughs> Hi, excuse me. Okay. South Korean President Moon Jae-in says that President Trump should get a Nobel Peace Prize for his efforts with North Korea over its nuclear weapons. A South Korean government official told reporters Monday that Moon had said that. Moon recently held a historic meeting with North Korean leader uh, Kim Jong-un and the two promised to work towards complete denuclearization of the Korean Peninsula. And in that fact, the crazy. president the president this weekend was 
the crowd started to chant, no bell, no bell, no bell. So, oh, well, so and he was smiling, I so I think he believes he should get yeah. it. He still would rather have an Emmy. I hope that the, the Steeler fans aren't chanting that when the season, season starts. No bell, no bell. Right. <laughs> because I, I want him to show up and play. Yes. I think we need him this year. Oh, that's, that's wonderful. I love that. Um, um, but that was that was a huge moment, wasn't it? I mean that that just to see Kim Jong Un like walk over because that that whole demilitarized zone is just insane, right on the border. And everybody's going, "This is wonderful! This is wonderful!" People need to remember that that man is psychotic. He's a murderer. Yeah, he kills his family. Yeah, mm-hmm. he kills hundreds of people. He's done it himself with a machine gun. Yeah. Okay. Now that's fun news, Sally. Moving, <laughs> moving on to a kitty cat. We're going to go from the world stage to a tree in Oklahoma City. Firefighters <laughs> in Oklahoma City are being credited for saving the life of a kitten stuck inside a car. It wasn't a tree. Why did I think it was a tree? The kitten was wedged ooh between a fender, a fender well. What's a fender well? Do you know um, what the fender well is? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the I well don't. where the fender resides. Okay. Right there, you know. Between a fender well and an engine compartment late last week, after some time and removing a few parts, firefighters were able to get the feline out. Although the kitten was a bit scared, Cruz said the cat is perfect. See what you did there. <laughs> I couldn't do it because I just, it's not in my repertoire. The fire department even nicknamed the cat Chartel II after their first cat, Chartel. Okay. <laughs> what a story. <laughs> it's a waste. No, oh. I'm not going to say that because all the cat people will go nuts. Was that news or is just something you wanted to tell us? No, it's <laughs> on the You could have just told us about that story. It sounded like something you heard on the bus. No. It's, it's a piece. It's on no, this just, piece of paper. Keep going, keep going. It's oh. in the Associated Press. Okay. I don't mean to yell. All I'm right. sorry. Mm-hmm. Okay. Microsoft, Google, and Facebook are joining other platforms and changing the gun emoji to a water pistol. Samsung and Twitter have also changed the image. Apple was the first to make the switch back in 2016. Microsoft said it was changing the emoji to reflect the company's values and after looking at the feedback it had received. The changes come after mass demonstrations for gun control in the wake of the Parkland, Florida high school massacre in February. Try this emoji out of my cold, (laughs) dead mouse. Speaking of Apple, Monday marks the last day, everybody. Mm -hmm. Apple will donate to an environmental group known as Conservation International when users trade in eligible devices. A new program called GiveBack combines the company's existing trade-up and recycling programs, both inside Apple stores and online. Trade-in rates for consumers are the same as before, with customers receiving credit to use toward future Apple store purchases. I once got $200. Oh wow! Really? Yeah. For was, what? I was so excited. It 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 helped me purchase this fancy band for my iWatch. My Apple is it an iWatch or an Apple Watch? Whatever you like. I love it though. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> I have the. What are you laughing? At? Uh, just you. I love you. I have the third iteration. This is the third iteration. Um, How were the first two? I just had the one. I always skip the middle. Mm-hmm. Which is sort of like my life. I, the middle of my life was a mess. Really? So, yeah. You just skipped it. No. Don't I, you think you're in the middle of your life? No, no. I'm, I'm probably going to die in the next five years. I've oh, lived, that's, no, that's not true. 
No, it's really, you have no, my, it's not just my heart. My brain is all messed up. <laughs> no, see, this is not uplifting. This, this, first I have, of all. I have a bone that's coming from my skull that presses against my jugular vein. Do you have that? When did that happen? Why don't you get it removed? Is that a- didn't you know I had a cerebral? And that's a fun oh, thing to have a cerebral. They shoot dye into your brain. That was ple- that was actually it was uh-uh. sort of fun, but they didn't give me enough drugs. Did you- I wanted more. Did you- this is all part of your eye watch. How <laughs> <laughs> did we go there? Oh, you said something about iterations. Middle, we went down. See, we went down another rabbit hole. It's Let's okay. just climb back Pull out of the rabbit hole. Please. I have one more story. Is your bone okay? Yeah, is that how? No, I just have to be careful. I'm not supposed to do extreme sports in case I fall and hurt my neck. Can't you remove the bone? That means they they don't want to do it. They don't want to do it. It's general anesthesia. It's major surgery. So they oh, you don't want to get general if you don't have to. So I'm supposed to wait until I have blinding headaches or a blurred vision, and then I tell somebody. You're supposed to wait until that happens. Well, no, it it may not. So you're out for the tough mutter in a couple of weeks. Well, you know, I think I'm gonna. I'm actually going to do some of the rage. Let's, can we do this last story? I want to finish. Yeah, my I don't. News. You interrupt me. You don't. You, you kindly. No, you don't interrupt me. He gets really angry when I say that. He's okay. so upset with you right okay. now. Okay. According to a new survey on our snacking habits, sixty-nine percent of us prefer salty over sweet. That's not me. I prefer sweet over salty, Thir- but I don't matter. Thirty-four percent of us eat Ye- in bed. Moi. Yes. Twenty-four percent store snacks somewhere other than our kitchen. And 66% of us are more likely to have a snack if we're having a bad day. I don't just have a snack. I eat an entire, like, box of tricks. <laughs> yeah, me too. Tricks? I, ate, but tricks? I once ate the a cereal? whole box of tricks in about a half an hour. And without milk, so it cuts the inside of your mouth. Because if you keep sure. chewing mm-hmm. crunchy stuff, mm-hmm. it was... It Why was, are you doing that? Because I, I couldn't stop. It's probably because of that bone sticking through. And- yeah. Anyway, that's the news, and we got it done fairly quickly. Yeah, without too many, without any real content. (laughs) I mean, there's. You told me once when I did real news not to do real news. No, you can. You told me that I have. I you You have carte blanche to do whatever you want. You got. We learned about a kitten stuck in (laughs) in Oklahoma. I mean. People were, had to get to work today and needed to know about that kitten. We did South Korea. We That's did. That's huge we news. It. That's by far the biggest news. And I of was, the and week. we did Apple trade-ins. That's news. Well, let me ask you that. And that, we did the thing about the emojis. That's right. news B+. too. So, so the the South Korea thing. Don't you think that like the jury is out a little bit? I agree that it is the biggest news that for some reason we just didn't care about. I guess if Kanye West uh, remarks on it, then everybody will start talking about it. But uh, short of that, for some reason, it's failed to capture the uh, attention of the american people this is world's changing yes this is geo uh uh military like uh china's china's not happy trust me yeah this this screws up a lot of stuff over there changes things for the better for a lot of people and uh some other huge entities like you just said not so happy but it also but it also makes the united states less important to south korea so it does affect our political dynamic somewhat negatively well we went we did the uso tour over in korea last last spring right as things were kind of ramping up and at that time, the um, the South Korean army, the ROC, they call them, um, were basically paying to move. They wanted the U.S. forces out of the base in Seoul because they just, you know, they're they're like we're we're good now, thank you, but we'll we'll pay for the move, but we we want to have our own 
army here and we want to get back to doing things, but just to have it in, in just a year go from guns pointed at each other across the border to those guys walking and meeting like that, that I thought that was insane just because I, I, I was over there last year and was so terrified right before we went there and they were firing missiles a week later. Remember when I got back and the, they fired a missile that went right over Japan and landed in the water. And I'm like, oh, God, this is ramping up. It, I thought I mean, it's all nuclear war was but, imminent. But, but here's the problem. This kind of attitude now ignores what's happening to the North Korean people, because if this is settled, then that that eye upon the North Korean, you know, that part of the peninsula is 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 closed. Be- people won't care anymore. Because, and what's happening to those people is not just criminal. It's it's horrific. So whatever. Well, I mean, kind of like it, the Tom Wilson hit on Brian. But Doolin here's, yesterday, here's the thing. I think <laughs> I think horrific. maybe Americans and, are, are, are noting that the Pacific Rim is so important to this country. So important to this country. Mm-hmm. So important to the world. Like Brian Dumoulin is the to tr- the Penguins defense yesterday. Oh, yes. See what you did there. The knock out from Tom Wilson. In game two. Now, first of all, it was a goal. It was a goal. Niskanen's pass to center. And not a good one. Crosby steals. Down the left wing. Comes all the way behind the net. Turns it around in front. Hornquist trying to finish. Yes, he got it in. Hornquist, did he get it in or not? The referee is looking. We shall wait. The light has not gone on. But the Penguins, I believe, think they have scored a second goal to make it 3-2. to two. After video review, the call on the ice is confirmed. No goal. I don't know how you come to that conclusion. Also, replay is supposed to make things better, not more ambiguous. After that, they don't make a call. I guess they don't. If they don't say it's a goal, the call on the ice is no goal. They just blow it dead. So I was under the impression that uh, they needed one way or another to, to make a call on it. They didn't. So then they go and watch the videotape. And they didn't see what a lot of Penguin fans saw. And there are those saying, the parallax angle (laughs) creates an optical illusion and makes it look like the puck is actually in the net when it's not. Well, jam that in your parallax. I don't really care. Looked like a goal to me. Looked like Tom Wilson intentionally followed through with the hit to the head on Dumoulin. You can say it was accidental at the beginning, that it was circumstantial, that Dumoulin ducked into it in an effort to evade the oncoming Ovechkin. But the follow-through from Wilson was the egregious part of it, not the initial hit. That's right. Something to consider when you hear the NHL today say that there will be no fine for Tom Wilson. We'll talk with Seth Rohrbaugh of The Athletic 815 this morning. Also, we're going to talk with Matthew Fritsch. He is the director of the new documentary Sheets versus Wawa. Now, Sally, you've made your way back and forth across the state. I'm sure there's been times you stopped at a Wawa. The only time I've been in a Wawa, I've never been to a Wawa here. No. I've only well, been we to don't a, have Wawa here. That's the whole point. No, I've been to a Wawa. It was the first time at in Bradenton when we did our chronicle about the the pirates in Bradenton. I went to a Wawa. Oh, they have Southern I Wawa. Stop saying Wawa. Right? No, you say it very well. You can't stop saying Wawa. Wawa. It's, Wawa. Wawa is a better name than Sheets. I'll give it that. But are the sandwiches better? Is it a better experience? We'll ask director of the documentary Shirts for Sheets versus Wawa, Matthew Fridge, 845. Also, Benzie talks about the NFL draft. 
Tim Benz will be in to talk about, uh, well, a curious draft and why he's super excited about the Mason Rudolph pick. That one was the one that got me. I was like, we traded up to get a quarterback? We have a quarterback. We've got three of them. And uh, don't forget, you could win a pair of tickets to every second-round home game in the playoffs versus the Capitals. Submit a video telling us why you're the biggest Pens fan. 60 seconds or less. Upload it to the link at the uh, DVE.com registration form. Deadline to enter is today at 3 o'clock, as tomorrow is the first game here. So don't screw around. Not a lot of time to get that together. DVE.com. Win tickets and go root on the Pens as they face Alexander Ovechkin, that jag-off Tom Wilson. <laughs> Braden Holtby in the caps. How was your weekend, Bill? Oh, it was fantastic, yeah. man. Yeah, it was great. Um, I got you did to, comedy uh, in Lexington, Kentucky? Yeah, it was a, it's a, a pretty legendary club down there. It's been open for 30 years. It's a, like a mom-and-pop shop kind of comedy club where all the, the pictures on the wall, you know, all those people actually perform there, which is not like most comedy clubs. So they just kind of fake it. Like, yeah. Oh, Jay Leno. Oh, yeah. Right. Here, Chris Rock never performed here. <laughs> there he is right there on the on the, on the the side of the stage. Um, it was called, it's called Comedy Off-Broadway, and I got to watch Steve Burns' hour come together. He's working on his fifth, and uh, he's going to be showcasing that out in L.A. on Wednesday for Netflix, Showtime, HBO, Comedy Central, all the people. So it was good to get to see him right before it goes up, and you know that guy's a machine. Totally. We had one of the craziest experiences, though, that I think I've I've ever had after a show. It was it completely blew me away. This guy came up to us after the show, and he said, "Hey, man, I just want to thank you for you know coming out here and you know giving us some laughs, man. I I need it probably more than most." And I said, "Oh man, what's going on? You okay?" And he said, "Yeah, man, I just got out of prison." I said, oh, how long were you in? And he goes, I was in there for 25 years, man. I was like, ugh, for what? He's like, I was wrongfully convicted, and I just got exonerated a couple days ago. I was like, oh, my God, for what? He was like, for murder. And I just started backing up. I'm like, (laughs) you sure you didn't do it? And he was like, no, I'm serious. I didn't do it. But he told us his story. It was just the craziest story I've ever heard. And he was there with the guy from the Kentucky Innocence Project who's been working for the last eight years to get him out. Yeah. So that like making a murderer uh, organization. Like it was Kentucky's Brendan Dassey. Get out of here. And then I went home and looked this guy up. Anybody can look him up. His name is Jeffrey Dwayne Clark. He oh, was, it sounds like a killer. Right. And uh-huh. I said that. I said, dude, do they only use your full name? Like, if I ever murder a bunch of people, it won't be Bill Crawford murder people. It'll be William Thomas Crawford. But doesn't Wayne make you think of murder? I mean, yes. the name Wayne. Like, and it's Dwayne. Yeah. Like, D-E Wayne. Yeah. And and so, I, you know, I'm talking to this guy, hearing his story. It It is absolutely berserk. The guy... It, the the guy from the Innocence Project and his wife were there and basically took this guy in because he got arrested in 1992. Him and his buddy, uh, they they were accused of murdering this girl, 19 year old girl, and they were accused of being in a satanic cult. Come on, I swear to God, that was in the midst of all the craziness. Yes, over the Satan. like there was like a big run Satan in the early nineties. Yeah, everyone thought there were Satan worshippers so, everywhere. So, like the story has a dirty detective who, no. you know, planted not planted evidence, but falsified testimony, falsified oh. evidence, and they didn't have DNA testing 
Like Kentucky as a state does not have post conviction DNA testing. So they had to wait till the laws changed in 2013. Oh. So and then they've been fighting it ever since, but this this cop was also involved in falsifying the testimony of a guy in Louisville who did 10 years for murder and he just got 8.5 million dollars for suing because the the state of Kentucky also doesn't have any restitution or reparations or lost wages, so you have to sue them. So you got to do comedy for a guy who had been wrongly imprisoned for 25 years, yes. and the first time he went out to see entertainment, he came to see you and Steve Byrne. Yeah. Yeah. It was, I mean, this is not the normal after show banter that I'm used right. to. It's more like like somebody came up to me and was like, hey, my friend is from Aliquippa. I was like, oh, that's cool. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's it's typical. a small, I have a cousin small in talk. It. Yeah. But this guy, like, just reading his story, it was the craziest thing ever. This detective said that he found a chalice in this guy's bedroom, and there was a bloody rag on it, and he said that they had been sacrificing animals and that they wanted to graduate to sacrificing a human. I'm like, what is, like, this is the craziest story. And that's so weird that he came up and shared it with you. Although I guess he doesn't have a lot of small talk. No, he's been I mean, locked up for twenty five yeah. years. Not like what's he's he going to talk to me about? Right? right? <laughs> right. Hey, uh, you get that new Counting Crows album, dude? That's it, old. It was. Oh, damn it! It was insane. Oh, dude. Well, I'm glad you had a good time. No, it was great. With uh, with our dear friend Steve Byrne. Did you watch any of the draft when you were like uh, waiting for the show to start? I did. You know, the, we we watched it in the hotel bar before we came over and after we uh, we were done with the shows. It was fun. How about when Acres was, was trolling the Cowboys fans? One of my favorite moments. Yeah. I mean, my favorite moment is the Shazier moment. Yeah. Obviously. Oh yeah, for sure. But this was pretty funny, David Acres. I'm representing the Philadelphia Eagles, NFC East champs, divisional champs. <laughs> the world champs! Hey, Dallas! The last time you were in the Super Bowl, these draft picks weren't born! <laughs> He's out hey, there roasting them. if this is the direction them. the NFL draft is going in, I'm all for it. Let's I turn it, it into a WWE event. Yeah. Why not? All right, Mike, with a full account of what happened at the draft this past weekend, plus a recap of Game 2, Pens and Capitals. That's next on the DVE. DVE Sports. Mike Pursuta will be joining us momentarily to talk about what went down this past weekend. The Steelers, of course, finishing out their 2018 NFL draft. But, Mike, the Penguins go into game two, having won the first in D.C., and that had to make the Caps a little bit nervous. That had to kind of feel like a must-win for them, despite not being a non-elimination game. And uh, lo and behold, they got off to the same quick start they did in game one against the Penguins. Yeah, Alexander Ovechkin is seventh of the playoffs, just one twenty-six in. That got Washington jump-started on the way to a four-to-one win in Game Two of the Eastern Conference Semifinals yesterday afternoon. Sports this hour brought to you by Golden Oak Lending. Yeah, the Caps came out, shot out of a cannon. Uh, they played with all the urgency and desperation that you would expect from a team with serious championship aspirations that had been beaten. In game one, and oh, by the way, blew a two-goal lead in the third period on the way to being beaten (laughs) in game one. Washington dominated the first period. I thought the Penguins were in control of the second and at least even in the third. They went on like a run of 13-3 shot-wise there. Really reeled it in, got got to their game, played it well, didn't panic, didn't lose their minds, uh, kept going through some adverse 
circumstances, but uh, the two lasting takes of the Caps 4-1 win yesterday are going to be the Patrick Hornquist no goal midway through the third period and the Brian Dumoulin injury early in the second. Here's Mike Sullivan. Uh, There was really no debate uh, from his spot standing behind the bench as to whether uh, Hornquist had gotten that puck into the net or not to make it 3-2 midway through the third. Well, my view was that it, 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 it's 100% a goal. You know, when you blow it up, you can see the white. It's behind the post. Whether you use deductive reasoning or you can see the white, whatever it may be, uh, that's how we saw it. So we, we respectfully disagree with, with the league and, and their ruling, but uh, that's not anything that we can control. They can't control what happens to Tom Wilson either. Wilson's the guy who took out Brian Dumoulin, uh, a bang-bang play in the Penguins' end. Uh, Wilson in chase position on Dumoulin. Alex Ovechkin coming up hard on the four-check. And Dumoulin gets rid of the puck, sees Ovechkin at the last second, pulls up, turns back, and gets hit in the head by Wilson's shoulder. Uh, Will Wilson be suspended? Should Wilson be suspended? Should there have been a penalty? Were there a bunch of other penalties missed? Uh, Mike Sullivan, of course, has opinions on all that stuff, and of course he doesn't share them with the media. You know, we're going to focus on the things that we can control. We didn't like some of the calls. It is what it is. That's the way the game is played. We can't control that. We're not going to worry about it. We're going to let the league do their job, and we're going to do ours. I I think people get frustrated when they hear that from him sometimes. I love his approach. Oh, yeah, that's the way you have to be. He's so remarkably consistent that way, and he is setting a tone for his team. He always tells them, don't worry about that stuff. Just play. Shut up and play. Mm -hmm. Play the right way. Whatever catchphrase of the month he happens to be selling. He can't expect his players to keep their eye on the ball if he does not. And behind the scenes, I'm sure the Penguins are working – uh, the officiating supervisors and with the league and, and letting their feelings be known, uh, it does no good to, to cry and whine about it because it's not they're not going to go back and say, oh, you know what, that should have been a major penalty on Wilson and he should have been ejected, so let's start the game over five minutes into the second period. They don't do that. No, well, it's they've in the books. been there, done that. Also, experience tells them, long mm-hmm. series, yep. Long uh, postseason. It, it takes a lot to get to the cup, and a lot of the you're not going to get every break. Right, you're going to get some calls. Some calls are going to go against you. Right. Yeah. Uh, I thought the refs were terrible all game yesterday. So did I. I mean, yeah, so just I. I agree. T- both sides they missed stuff th- both th- ways. Th- obvious. They stuff. were terrible. Yeah, and that's how it starts getting out of hand when that when they don't police it. That being said, the Dumoulin hit. I think Wilson followed through on a, on a chance that he had. Like Bill said earlier, <laughs> like an opportunity yeah. fell in his lap. Yeah. And there's a difference between not being able to get in out of the get out of the way and following through with a, a, a hit like that when he he knew he was going to hit him in the head. He had a drive by. Yeah. But I it, I don't know what the league's going to do. They're not going to do anything. I, it seems to me they make this stuff up as they go along. If you want Wilson suspended, I think there's a chance because Dumoulin suffered an injury and because Wilson has a track record. If he doesn't get suspended, it'll probably be because they'll say he turned into the hit. And and he, he stopped and, and turned at the last second and changed his body position, and Wilson wasn't able to react that quickly. Well, we'll see what they some do. Some people were trying to compare it to the Matt Cook hit on Ryan McDonough in like 2013, and... It wasn't the same thing. No. Because Matt Cook went way out of his that way. Was that was egregious. Yeah. yeah. And, I mean, I think Tom Wilson's hit was definitely dirty. So but do I, I think it just fell into his lap. You know? Yeah. It, it, 
if Dumoulin doesn't stop and turn back, he can't do it. How did. do they not at least call a penalty there? How do they not see that the puck went in the net in the third period? Yeah, I mean, I go with Occam's razor on both of those. That's a goal. That's a dirty hit. Easy. It's simple. It's Why are we getting right. so crazy with this? Why are we talking about angles nobody's ever heard of? Every sport is suffering from replay, I think. I'm not sure. I'm sure there's some quantitative study somewhere that will let you know how many times it has actually helped create the right result versus how many times it has slowed down the game and just left you still stewing in ambiguity and or got it wrong. In which case, the times it takes away from the game have to outweigh how many times they correct something because these guys don't want to blow the whistle. They always think the eye in the sky is going to have their back, so why should they go out on a limb and make a judgment call that could get overturned to make them look stupid? Yeah, And even when they get it right, I mean, we saw this, uh, we're seeing it in baseball now. Um, Dickerson hit a home run last week, uh, a walk-off. Right. And, and there was a debate as to whether the fan had reached over. Now, this is a home run to win the game. So he, he hits the ball, it lands in the stands, he trots around the bases, they dump the Gatorade on him, everybody runs out of the dugout and jumps around, and then you stand around for five minutes and wonder, wow, did what I think happened really happen? Like the San Antonio Holmes touchdown in Tampa. That's no way to end the game, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah. make you got four umpires on the field, make the call. The guy reached over, he didn't. Home run or double or whatever the, whatever the correction yeah. is on that play. I, I, I just don't like waiting around until they decide what I just saw. Did you think Connolly interfered with Murray on the second goal? That was close. It was a slash. <laughs> yeah, if nothing else. I mean, the way they the, the, the protocol on the interference is supposed to be if the guy had time to get back into position after being engaged, is yeah. it, that, that makes it interference or non-interference. I thought he had time to get back to where he needed to be. But he, he went in. The crease and slashed the goalie in the leg. <laughs> Murray was pretty pissed about that one. I mean, what the hell is that? I know. Nobody's watching the goalie? Apparently not. They're not watching the goal, Mike. I don't know. It was a big day for the word parallax, though. Game three is, of, uh, I'm not going there. A lot of parallax. Not, I am not going there. The parallax angle creates an optical illusion and makes it look like pucks in the net when it's Come not. Come on. Yeah. Parallax truthers rejoiced yesterday with the ability to be able to pull that one out of their quiver. When you see the puck go over the line and then tuck itself behind the goalpost, which is, believe it or not, on the goal line. Most Therefore, were- if you are behind the goalpost, you are, as a puck, behind the goal line. More than anything yesterday, more than Wilson not getting called, more than that goal getting called back, more than... The innumerous refing gaffes yesterday. Losing Dumoulin is the big takeaway for me. Huge. If they can't get that guy back on the ice, and you would think he's being treated for a concussion. You would think. Now, there's no way he's playing tomorrow night. I don't know about that. You can get Well, that's true, but you can get by on a, uh, one or two games without a guy like that, but he's been integral. That was the... Uh... The Achilles, the, the perceived Achilles heel going into the postseason. Do you have enough defensemen no. to make a long run, assuming that one or two of them are going to get hurt along the way? And it would depend which one or two got hurt. Well, I mean, one of the six is a big deal. Yeah, I know. I mean, mm-hmm. Dublin is an especially big yes. deal. But, um, All right. Game, game three is uh, Tuesday night. We're going to talk NFL draft when we come back. 
And also, we'll hear from Bob Nutting. You know, the the Buckos with a record April, but the fans are still pissed, and they made a fan <laughs> take off his shirt this past weekend that said, spend nutting, win nutting. So it's a play on the owner's name. So we'll talk to the owner and get his thoughts on that coming up. Plus, Sally Wiggins has the news for you coming up. It's always a pleasure to have her, her here in studio. No, you really what? have to stop Oh, uh, Wiggins. Wigan, please, Sally Wigan. I'm getting, I'm starting to get very upset about it. People, <laughs> you did, people you did have an about it. I know. After 30 years. Years. And, 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 and you know what? And it. I'm sorry. It made me realize how up, that I really have been repressing how upset I get. I'll never call you that again. Thank you, Sally Wigan. Because you are so powerful, you've made. Yeah, this I'm so powerful. Yeah, no, all you made, powerful. You made this whole city think that my name is Wiggins. No, they just pluralize everything. I know. It doesn't matter. It's I'm giant sorry, I eagles. I had to just interject that. I no, was being fine. very quiet about the game because I wasn't able to see it. I taped it, but I couldn't watch it. So. Well, let us know what you think when you watch it. Were you? Oh, at oh no, I did see that. I did see the shot of the puck. It's no question. The shot of the puck. The still. Yes. The still. The goal. The, the goal. Yeah. Okay. All right. But of the puck in. No the question. Game. It was a goal. No question. Sally Wigan. She was seeing Infinity Wars. See how I pluralize that. <laughs> Also, Seth Rohrbar from The Athletic talking about the pens, caps, and you can win tickets. It's the DVE Morning Show. You're home of the Pittsburgh Steelers, 102.5 DVE. Well, we didn't get to the NFL draft there in that last segment in which we concentrated on the Pittsburgh Penguins getting jobbed by the refs in D.C. That notwithstanding, hey, you brush it off. You move forward. They split. Moving forward. That's a win, right? Well, don't tell that to Mike. He hates that. But I think so, yeah. That's a win and it's a loss. So, <laughs> well, they'll get back at it Tuesday uh, here in Pittsburgh, Game 3. And we'll have more on that later. But the Steelers completing their draft this past weekend. Mike, I got to tell you, head scratcher for me. I don't know why we moved up to get a quarterback. I don't know why we reached for the guy in the first round. But you say, eh, maybe we didn't reach so much for that guy. Not the first rounder. Uh, Terrell Edmonds of Virginia Tech, I think, will be the right guy in the right place at the right time. On round one, the quarterback's the one that's got everybody buzzing because quarterback picks always do. Uh, is Mason Rudolph the successor to Ben Roethlisberger? If he ultimately is, then this is a layup. That it's a great mm-hmm. third round pick. Three years from now, four years from now, we'll be saying how enlightened the Steelers were to get this guy when they did. Uh, Colbert is smart. He deferred judgment on this draft class for three or four years. <laughs> if he's not the guy. Then everybody's going to be looking back saying, boy, I wonder if they'd have won the Super Bowl in 2018 if they wouldn't have wasted their third rounder on a quarterback who never amounted to anything anyway and wasn't Big Ben's successor. They could have got some immediate help for the 2018 season. I think mm-hmm. it, Landry. I think it's a chance worth taking if you really like the guy, and clearly they really like the guy. They don't want to lose Ben Roethlisberger by whatever means that ultimately occurs, whether he retires and walks away or he gets hurt and can't play anymore or he just gets bad. That's a possibility, too. Is this Landry's last year of his contract? Yes, it is. So, okay, so you groom this guy for a year, and all of a sudden, as Ben gets older, the likelihood of him missing game to injury becomes greater. At least groom him for a year. Now, there's 50-50 on the evaluations on Mason Rudolph around the league. Teams, scouts, draft nicks, whatever. Uh, He's got the Big Ben size. Uh, at 6'5", 235, but he doesn't have the Big Ben arm. He's coming out of a gimmicky offense where he only had to make one read. Hasn't worked under center. Doesn't have mobility. A lot Other of re- But that. he was part of a package deal, Mike. He <laughs> did come out with his top receiver. I'm just saying there's a lot of reasons people don't like this guy. Now, his production was through the roof. He put up numbers. 
Uh, he won games as a starter. He's got the size, and he's got the right attitude as well. Uh, give a listen to Mason Rudolph talking about uh, how he feels about being a third-round pick as opposed to all those first-round quarterbacks and how he's coming to Pittsburgh with a third-round size chip on his shoulder. No doubt. The uh, chip's bigger than ever, I think. Uh, yeah, it was it was tough, you know, but, uh, you know, it, everyone says you talk to, the, you know, guys like Russell and, and uh, you know, guys like Tony Romo, and they all talk about it, it literally, you know, everyone's across the board. It doesn't matter. And obviously it matters to them. They say it doesn't matter. But it's always mattered to you. And if it didn't, then you wouldn't be a competitor. I wouldn't be the competitor that I am. But uh, definitely, you know, have the desire to you know get after it and, uh, you know, prove the player that I am. I know the kind of player I've been in college. I know what I'll be in the NFL. And time to kind of let that be shown. I mean, the discrepancy in the, in the amount of picks between there, I mean, it's it's unbelievable. So the people will understand this in, in the next 10 years, in the next couple of years, it'll, it'll, it'll be clear. Just give it time, he says. It'll be clear. Give it time. Russell Wilson, Tony Romo got to the league and had success. They weren't first-rounders, but didn't matter. Uh, here's Mason Rudolph. Excuse me. Here is Mason Rudolph talking about, uh, well, what happens if you have to wait a while behind Ben Roethlisberger? How do you approach playing behind Ben? Yeah. Which I heard you talk yesterday about what an opportunity that's going to be to yeah. learn from him. But this could go on a while. Yeah. He, We'll see. How do you approach him in terms of how many years he might be here? Yeah. And are you concerned at all that it might be longer rather than shorter? I mean, it's, that's not my job to project in anyone's you know uh, career. It's my job to work yeah. and, and would that affect your game? Control you what I can control. No, I mean, I think I, regardless of who plays, whether it's me or him, it's you know I'm, I'm going to you know, approach my approach to my preparation is going to be the same. I'm going to prepare like I'm the starter. I'm going to compete every single day. I'm going to have a great rookie rookie mini camp, and then I'm going I'm to carry that over into OTAs. So that's all I can do right now. I, I, I like to make long-term goals but carry it out with, with short-term, you know, projects. So that's that's what I'm going to do. And, and obviously just, you know, whenever my number's called, it, it is the time that that's God set out for me, and I'm going I'm to make the most of it. Mikey, that was a great piercing question. That's well, the only kind I ask, Sally. Either that or slappy ones. Uh, did you hear that little interjection? I said, this could go on a while. He said, we'll see. Like he's going to do it, yeah. And then – I can't believe this he guy said is that. brimming with confidence. That should go over well. So is Johnny Manziel. I know. I yes. was going to say That's Ben. Ro- ben, ben, ben to should that. love that. Yeah, ben, go that. Ben, yeah, ben, right. ben will respond great to that. <laughs> well, yeah. you know, yeah. that that'll. I'm going to really help you. That'll along. be what it is. But I, I want a guy. If he's going to be my future quarterback, I want a guy confident and, and saying I'm every bit as good as those guys that got picked in the first round, if not better. So the yeah. book on him was fifty fifty. Because I know my brother-in-law is a huge Patriots fan and had been looking at the possible quarterbacks to make yeah. up for Garoppolo. He was furious. He, he texted me, I can't believe that they stole him from the Patriots. The, the size is intoxicating. His production in college and his ability to throw the deep ball well was intoxicating. Uh, but it's there are a lot of things you have to do in the NFL at quarterback that college quarterbacks are not asked to do. And you don't know if these guys can do them until they get here. And you find out. But uh, I, I saw the uh, NFL.com does a great job of publishing scouting reports on all these guys before the draft. And they quoted, uh, I think it was an NFC coach on Mason Rudolph. And he said, if you ask 10 guys about Mason Rudolph, you'll probably get four different opinions. You know, <sighs> good and bad. Yeah. Uh, the, the NFL's summation of Mason Rudolph on their scouting report was he could be an average starter or a backup championship again because it's 
it's a big leap what he was asked to do at Oklahoma State, what he's going to be asked to do in Pittsburgh. But uh, that's not to say, uh, you know, NFL.com scouting report is right. And I, I'm, I'm a firm believer also, it, if you find a guy that you think is your guy, then you go get him. You know, they traded up for him. Uh, you don't wait. Uh, Rashawn Evans, the linebacker in the first round, they wanted him. Yeah. But they were willing to let the draft come to them in that instance, and they were fine with Terrell Edmonds. Uh, quarterback position is so critical that they don't want to get caught with their pants down whenever Ben's done. They want to have a guy in place. They couldn't say they had a guy in place that was a potential successor before the Rudolph pick. Now they can. So we'll see. Pirates, a big weekend for them. Uh, Nick Kingham yesterday made his first big league start, went seven innings, gave up one hit, no runs, no walks, nine strikeouts. Pirates beat the Cardinals five to nothing. They completed a sweep and improved to 17 and 11. Now they're off to uh, D.C. to take on the Nationals tonight. Jamison Tyone against Tanner Rourke. And the Bucks all wore their Penguins attire on the road trip. I don't know if you saw, Pretty cool. nice. if you saw that on Twitter. Along you with know. those great throwback unis yesterday. I love those Sunday unis. So do I. Got to support the team. Buckos. Sweeping the cards at home. Pretty significant bounce back. The Philly thing last weekend, the 0 for 4 in Philadelphia, was a little concerning to me. But uh, yeah. Understanding there are going to be ebbs and flows in a 162-game season. but mm, Record-breaking April for, for your Buckos. Uh, more Bucko talk in a second. Before we get back to that, I want to remind you, your chance to win play- Penn's playoff tickets ends today at 3 o'clock. All you got to do is send us a video, 60 seconds or less, telling us why you're such a huge Penguins fan. Upload it to YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, etc. Share it with us. The link is provided on the online registration form at dve.com. You could win tickets every game. There could be three of them. There are probably going to be three of them. It's looking like that. There are going to be at least five overall. And by the way, they set the time for uh, Saturday. is going to be 7 o'clock. Yeah? Game five. Nice. So right after the derby. Perfect. Get your derby on and then get your playoff hockey on. Yeah. Um, nice sun, Nice little Saturday there. I like it. This past like weekend, Buckos did make news. The Pirates made news when they banned a fan from wearing a T-shirt to the Cardinals game. That read, spend nutting, win nutting. Did you see this? Yeah. It went viral. Yeah. It caused a security staffer to wrongly interpret a team policy stating that guests must refrain from, quote, wearing clothing, which in the judgment of the pirates is indecent, derogatory, obscene, or otherwise detracts from the experience of other guests. Right. You don't want to upset the people that paid to see the buckos. So team spokesman Brian Warecki said they made a mistake and, you know, that shirt didn't fall under that. They just, they goofed up there. Now. Ironically, Buckos, hey, like we just said, leading NLC, NL Central with their record-breaking 17-win April. And joining us right now to discuss the T-shirt situation is uh, team owner Bob Nutting. Yo, good morning, Pirate fan. Hi. Looks like I'm nutting on the phone right mm-hmm. now. What? <laughs> I'm nutting on the phone, and I love it. Sir, what are you doing? I'm nutting into the skid, Lanny. What? The fans have decided that my name is kind of like Aloha. It has multiple <laughs> meanings. That's not what they're doing. Sure they are. Yeah. No, they're not. For instance, in that gentleman's t-shirt, spend nutting. 
win nutting. Mm. In this case, nutting meant a lot. You know, so sometimes when a pirate fan says they're nutting, they mean a lot. <laughs> it's fun. No, it's, I don't think that's what's happening, sir. It is, Lanny. Like the t-shirt all the young adults are wearing that says, stay calm and keep nutting. In that instance, nutting means winning. So when you're nutting, you're winning. No. <laughs> By the way, how about my employees on the gridiron? Did you see how much nutting they were doing this weekend? Mr. Nutting. Nutting? Are, are you talking to me? Because nutting could literally be anybody. N- you see, Nutting son? is not a homonym. It is? Well, happy not a homonym to you and your chosen people. That's not, it's not, I'm not talking about a religious holiday. Look. Fans are mad because your payroll is so low. Counterpoint. Fans are ironically expressing anger over a 17-win April. (laughs) They're hilarious. Hysterical. In fact, they're nutting their faces off. In this instance, nutting means laughing. I I figured that out. Not to mention, we're getting young Ho-Gong back. Well, some people aren't so happy about that. Well, nothing to worry about. I told him in no uncertain terms, no more nutting under the influence. In this case, nutting means... I know what it means. Look, Mr. Nutting, you had a great April. Record-breaking. Yeah, but the attendance... Also record-breaking. What, record-breaking low? No, I mean, we have a record that we play of fans cheering for when no one attends, and it broke. Otherwise, you wouldn't have noticed the lack of people nutting in the stands. (laughs) Okay. Well, continued success, and thanks for your time, Mr. Nutting. Hey. It was great nutting with you, Lance. <laughs> okay, yeah. Center 11. Currently, I I don't know. What do you think it is? I don't know. It's about that temperature. It's 35. Oh, well, thank you. Very. Thank you, Sally. Very much there. Uh, Sally Wiggin is filling in with your news this morning. Val will be doing afternoons all week for uh, for Sean McDowell. So. Google it right now. Okay, Brett. Uh, Sally, hi. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you. All right. May, may well, I begin? Sure, you may. Okay. Let the news begin. You let the yes. Let the news begin. It's news time. I knew you were going to do that. I was going to try to imitate you doing that. It's I, news time. I don't. Do, I, but that was I did imitate you favorites. doing it. Oh. It's news time. See, I can't. See, I couldn't remember if you just did that or I did it. I did it first. Yeah, it's I'm news imitating time. you. I'm losing it. See, you I'm can't imitate it. me imitating you because you did it. Sally, what's going on? Um, Bill Cosby, his honorary degree from Temple University in Pennsylvania is being revoked. Stop it. All right, go ahead. The university said Friday it's rescinding the doctorate the comedian was given in 1991 because of his sexual assault conviction. The school is among more than 20, 20 American colleges and universities that have pulled honorary degrees from the disgraced comedian. Wow. Following 20, 20 following Thursday's guilty verdict, including Johns Hopkins in Maryland and Notre Dame in Indiana. Ohio State University also rev- revoked a degree given to him in 2001 earlier this month. It's almost like those honorary degrees didn't mean anything anyways. The word disgrace is not strong enough to describe him. That's right, Sally. When is he going to be sentenced? He, well, may, he may not get sentenced. How crazy is that? He's gonna. You know what? I, I bet he never does jail time. Does he get the? Did he get the ankle bracelet? I is no he on idea. house arrest until he gets sentenced? How old is he? Remind Eight, me. He's eighty. 
So even if he gets a year, that's pretty much life. You'd have to think the stress of this is just going to knock him off in his sleep one of these nights or something like that, right? Well, you never know. If he, if he is as sociopathic as he seems to be. That's true. They don't he die. Doesn't even think He right. doesn't even think he's done anything wrong. No. Trust me, he doesn't think he's done anything wrong. I, I can't repeat any of the stuff I read about the testimony, but it is so gross and disgusting and like... The words he was using and sa- the things he was saying to these women. Oh, I mean, it's a pattern of behavior. Oh, my gosh. It's, it's the same M.O. for all these women. It's so freaky. Do you know there's someone in this town who was molested by him? Uh, I think maybe I did know that. And, well, I know the first trial was moved here from Philadelphia to have an impartial jury. And then they deadlocked. And, they, and they're probably more than one, I'm guessing, because he, 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 did, he did bits here. Hey, I introduced him at... Uh, a show here and it was me and uh, I was with my friend Margo and he couldn't get enough Margo and started the show late because he was so enamored with her and literally sh- started the show late. It was the weirdest thing in the world. And yeah, he you said it gave you the creeps. It did. He had his arm around her the whole time and then he made her part of the introduction. He wanted her to be out on stage. And so Margo and I, after the fact, were kind of like, that was so weird. He's like, I'm going to walk her out onto the stage and give her hand to your hand and then the two of you. So that's what he did. So I went out and did this introduction that I prepared for him in which I was like very complimentary, you know, talking about his legacy and stuff. And I worked really hard on it because I thought like this guy, this guy's, you know, he deserves it. This is, you know, obviously before all that, then the news broke, but then he brought her out on stage when I introduced him, he walked with her and had her escort him. And then he took her hand and put it around my arm. And then he like turned us around. And then he like patted us both on the back and like pushed us off the stage. Like, that's now, odd. It was so weird. It was so weird. But at the time, I was like, how cool was that? Oh, I mean, he was a legend. I'm, I and was there that night. That show was really, really good. I, I thought told- he was. Uh, uh, Genius he was he was night. he was very very funny. I I I thought what a and and I used to see you probably weren't even born. I spy with Robert Culp yeah, and, and Bill Cosby. It yeah. was it was groundbreaking. Well, plus it was the first time that Afri- African yes, American had been and, put and, in the I, lead. and we watched it. My mother and I watched it, and we loved it. And we loved him. And mm-hmm. what a great man! And you know, and and he cares about education. And oh. I remember that night. I told. Um, uh, one of our mutual friends about it who's in the industry. And, oh, yes. And he was like, oh, dude. You know, he goes, the reason that happened, he's, well, because he's legendary. Think about it. At that time, that news had already been out there about him. And like, dismissed. that had already gone under the rug. Yeah. Anyway. Was, wasn't there a People magazine article or something in the early 2000s? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was, it was. Yeah, it's. I was talking, but that was before social media and before stuff was regurgitated, or you know, you could right. sweep stuff you, with the right publicist. You'd sweep stuff under the rug, and everybody moved forward. I'm thinking, and that, women were afraid to come forward. Also, well, look what's happening now with the Tom Brokaw thing. So Tom Brokaw allegations break about Tom Brokaw. He denies them, and then a bunch of women like signed something saying like he didn't do it, like Rachel Maddow. Andrea Mitchell, all these NBC uh, employees, well, they came to his defense, and how could they know? Well, when now we're I guess the, they could speak to his character. Now we're in the age where y- 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 
it's exploded. So yeah. now you're going to have to sift through and see what is true and what sure. isn't true. Because yeah. uh, um, I guess Ronan Farrow did a, uh, a really good, somewhat contentious interview with Bill Maher this past weekend. I didn't see it, but I read about it. So it'll be interesting to see. He got a, a Pulitzer for his work. I think what I'm going to do is to. I'm going to declare purge hours where I can just listen to Cosby albums, watch Woody Allen movies, <laughs> maybe have a Kevin Spacey movie marathon day. Probably not a bad idea. Sally, do one more real quick, and then we got to go to put some okay, let's, on. Okay, you know what? I, let's talk about superheroes again. Okay. You mentioned it earlier, but let's do this. Um, I, Avengers: Infinity Infinity War is just killing it. Pardon the pun, because a lot of people die in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, Whoa! Uh, spoiler. That's alert. not a spoiler. Everybody okay. knows it. You just you don't know who it is. I mean, you won't know until you go. But anyway, um, biggest domestic opening of all time earned two hundred fifty million dollars in the first weekend. Besting fellow Disney title Star Wars: The Force Awakens at two hundred forty eight. Biggest worldwide opening of all time. Debuted to three hundred eighty million overseas for a global blast off of six hundred and thirty million. It is the most ambitious amassing of superheroes ever on the big screen, right after Black Panther. So it's uh, um, you um, saw it and you said you loved it. I've seen it twice. I loved saw it. it twice. And people say I like Black Panther better. It's not the same as Black Panther. Black Panther is basically an origin film. Right. This is pulling together. All of these superheroes. It's it's. I can't wait to see how they do it because the poster just looked ridiculous. It looked like the wall at Permanis. And one of my favorites isn't in it as much, but that's because he's going to be in it in the second one. Okay. So okay, I'm done. One of my favorites, Seth Rohrbaugh from the Athletic, joining us right now to talk Penguins hockey. Good morning, Seth. How are you, man? Well, well, I was nervous. I was going to hear a spoiler there. Yeah. uh, (laughs) Thankfully, avoided it. I know, Sally, getting a little. Revealing, close to the edge of the cliff. There. So uh, let's start with this. Was it a goal? Uh, I thought so. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, uh, you, you saw the video there. Um, uh, it got blown up and superimposed and everything like that. There. I I know there's you know they, they kind of err on the side of caution sometimes. Uh, uh, when you, especially too when you see a, a a view or an angle from like the side because there can be some optical illusions. The parallax. <laughs> uh, there was a goal in, like in Calgary or Anaheim a few years ago that that looked a lot like that, but the, and then they ruled, you know, on the side of no, not being a goal based on the similar circumstances. But um, talking to some of the players informally in the room, they were, you know, dead set that it was an, it was absolutely was a goal. And then the Wilson hit. Your thoughts on that? The league uh, has a very uh, inconsistent take on these uh, types of hits. If there's an injury, sometimes that means there'll be some ramifications. If not, nothing. But there was no call at the time. Yeah, I, I don't know. The referee or one of the linesmen kind of got took, taken out on the sequence as well, so I don't know if that maybe played a role in the on-ice discipline, but uh, as far as off-ice discipline, any sort of suspension or fine, um, honestly, I, I don't have faith in the league to, to take any sort of action whatsoever. Um, they're they're very wishy washy or just inconsistent with with plays like that. Um, I, I, yeah, I'm, I usually roll on the side uh, myself that if you hit someone in the head, regardless of the circumstances, intentional, accidental, whatever, um, there should be some sort of discipline. Uh, you know, the idea is to prevent head injuries, not to, not necessarily <laughs> just to suspend players or whatever. And um, you know, this is a player, Tom Wilson, has a very lengthy history of plays like this it's, it's it's always an amazing coincidence that you know players that get hit by tom wilson and tend to you know suffer some sort of significant injury and 
Um, and the NHL will apply all kinds of qualifiers. You know, like you know, you know Brian Dumoulin was leaning down. There was an onrushing player, et cetera, et cetera. He's and still alive. That, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, I understand that, but um, you know, Ken Dryden, the Hall of Fame goaltender, has really come out strong in recent years in the side of he hits someone in the head, period. It should be some sort of suspension. So um that said, I, I really don't have faith in the league to really make a you know, what would seemingly be the correct call on this. Do you think Matt Murray was interfered with? I know he was pretty upset about the call after the the uh, the game and the replay looked like it was no- he was knocked off his mark, but um what what's your think on that? Um, I, I tend to, to, you know, maybe fall on the side of no. I, I thought he had ample time to kind of reset and, you know, get readjusted for the shot there. Um, now, if you want to maybe, you know, say that uh, Connolly should have maybe gotten a goaltender interference play, uh, penalty on that and the play should have been halted at that point, I, I could hear that. But as far as uh, how Matt Murray was able to defend the shot, I, I don't. I, I thought he had enough time to kind of re- readjust or reset after that hit uh uh, to, to attempt to make a save on uh, uh, Jacob Verana there, but um, no, I, uh, I, you know, I, I, maybe you know you could have ruled a goaltender interference and maybe call a penalty separate from the shot, but uh, no, I, I thought he he was able to make the save uh, regardless of that uh, that slash or that hit there. Seth, what's your thought on how many odd man rushes and quality looks the Penguins are allowing through two games, particularly the looks Ovechkin's mm-hmm. getting? Yeah, I mean, they gave up, uh, what, uh, 32 shots, I think, yesterday. And, and, in fact, I asked Mike Sullivan, I thought, you know, are, are you getting enough, you know, offensive support from your role players? And he kind of shot back that he felt they were giving up too many shot attempts. Uh, I think they ended up giving, like, 69 shot attempts on top of everything else. So uh, maybe the biggest difference is that they were getting some of those attempts, uh, uh, Washington, that is, uh, some of those attempts they were getting from their role players were being converted into goals. Uh you know, the Jacob Verona goal you know, that we discussed, and uh, you know Todd Connolly, or um, I'm sorry, Brett Connolly was, you know, ends up, you know, getting that breakaway, a third line winger, um, and, you know, putting them up three nothing at that point. So, um, no, uh, certainly, uh, you know, it was a very wide open affair uh, for both teams. I, I think you would, if you talk to both coaches, they probably would like to see a little bit more, uh, uh, you know, a few, you know, running gun hockey there, but. Um, uh, you know, for the Capitals, uh, they just did a better job of uh, converting their chances, particularly from their role players. Is there an edge, uh, do you suppose, for one team or the other mentally? Uh, the Pens got a road split, and they come back home for Game 3. The Caps probably feel like they had them in Game 1, and then they did have them in Game 2. Who's who's feeling better about 1-1 right now? Well, I'd say the Capitals, just based on the fact that you know they didn't lose you know one of their vital defensemen, uh, as the Penguins did. Um, and the fact that they were able to come and maybe kind of capitalize on Evgeny Malkin's absence, at least in one game here, uh, the, or the most recent game of the series. But you know, it looks pretty, you know, obvious or pretty, uh, pre- um, pretty good terms that Evgeny Malkin probably will play in Game Three. It seemed like he was pretty close to, to giving it a go in Game Two. So, um, and I, I don't know if the, the gravity of the situation after losing a, you know, Game Two maybe increases the likelihood of uh, of getting Malkin participating in Game Three here, but. Uh, uh, and I, I, I think just based on the circumstances of what emerged out of Game Two, particularly Brian Dumoulin's uh, injury there, um, the Capitals may probably feel a little better about themselves than the Penguins. Yeah, and no word on uh, Gino's return. Uh, nothing concrete. Uh, you know, it, it sounded like it was a pretty. Uh, it was it was maybe somewhat close to being a game time decision. Uh, you know, fifty fifty as far as uh, getting Malkin participating in Game Two, but. Uh, 
Um, just based on how he looked skating uh, in the off-day practice there uh, down in Washington. He looked really good there. So it was actually kind of surprising he didn't play in Game 2. So um, barring something unforeseen, I, I would probably expect him to, to play in Game 3. And as you mentioned, they certainly did miss him with the lack of secondary scoring. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think uh, I read uh, or I wrote this morning uh, 11 of their past 13 goals have all come from really the top line of Gensel, Crosby, and Hornquist. Uh, the only goals that didn't come were, were you know, uncontested you know, one-timer by Carl Hagelin in Philadelphia and an empty netter by Brian Russ there. So, um, no, I mean, they're, they're getting a lot of great production out of that top line, but no one else. And, um, you know, you, you know, they bring in Derek Broussard, they bring in Riley Shea in, and, you know, they've played well. But uh, really in the past, you know, two or three games when they've really needed them without Evgeny Malkin, uh, um, you know, they, they haven't got any sort of any sort of production out of those players. So, um, they need those guys to step up. You know, this is a team that celebrates the depth at center position, and and right now they really do need to rely on that depth, uh, given them getting Malkin's uncertain status. Seth Rohrbach from the Athletic. Check him out, athletic.com. I'm a big fan of uh, of the Athletic in your work, obviously, but uh, I, I really dig it, man. I think you guys are doing a great job. That's really kind, man. I appreciate it. All right, man. We'll talk to you soon, Seth. Take care, bud. Take care. We'll see you. Yeah, I like their stuff. I like the way they break it down on there. That's a uh... Alarming statistic about the top line production well, versus the rest of the team. That's why it's the top line. I get it, but I think Gino being out Obi's of the lineup. getting a lot of goals for the Caps too. They're not complaining about that. I think it affects Phil the thrill. His line has sort of been disassembled and reassembled. Yeah. And uh, this just in the power play is over in the series so far. That's and can't do that. That's where you make up for lack Boy, of secondary scoring. Caps had a great kill yesterday. The Pens just totally unable to get anything going. It looked like the Penguins were on a kill. Yeah, the Caps had some great looks on that <laughs> one. <laughs> Alright, uh, when we come back, Mike Pursuta, more on that game and the Steelers draft. We'll talk about some of the strategy behind who they've chosen. Director Matthew Fridge of the upcoming documentary Sheets versus Wawa joins us at 9.15, or at 8.45 rather, and at 9.15, Benzie Tim Benz will tell you why he loves Mason Rudolph and thinks this was a great pick. Well, he likes the pairing, right? He likes, he likes the, the pairing, but again... It was a BOGO deal. That guy, everything I read about him, it sounds like Sammy Coates, but Sammy didn't have the production that this guy had in college. But it sounds like the physical skill set that they're banking on. Yeah, I think they thought Sammy would play tough. Right. He... Just never. That's this guy's this asset. This guy plays tough. Yeah. All right. Combat catch. James Washington is this guy. All right. Good deal. JW. Plus, Sally Wigan has your Plus, news. did you hear Feekner? What did uh, what did Coach Randy Feekner have to say? He said he was uh, an ag major at Oklahoma State. He's a farmer. What's that got to do anything? I just thought it was funny. That he can grow here. America needs farmers. Ha, ha, ha. That's <laughs> funny. Oh, my God. I can't La- find my shoe. What? <laughs> Did we the take a lady up off the bus to do the news today? Oh my gosh. The bag lady. I can't find my shoe. All right, we're going to Can fu- you have you seen my gum? We're going to we'll find your shoe, Sally, and uh want to remind you. 1000 bucks of workforce cash available all day top of each hour just text the keyword to 200 200. That's brought to you by rightcars.difference. DVE Sports. Mike Prasuda with your sport right now. Sports. See, trying to take the S off of everything in deference to Sally Wigan this morning. Wow, double barrel. <laughs> Along those lines, were you upset that the Capitol beat the Penguins? I was. 
especially the one capital who almost decapitated the one penguin. It's a case of capital punishment. That was total BS. That was funny. Seriously, that Wilson hit should should garner some response from the league. It won't. If he knows who the president is this morning and he's still breathing, I don't like, think he gets I think suspended. it's totally fine that all, like, the NFL remains a violent sport so long as they own up to it being violent and the ramifications of that violence. When they deny what's out there, I think that's when they really get into, into a bad situation. I think if they said, yes, yeah, CTE is a problem and we're going to try to fix it. This is a violent sport. And if you play it, we're going to try to make it as safe as possible. But at its heart, it is a violent sport and these things, these collisions are going to happen. But it's the trying to steer everybody away from the actual medical facts of what occur that get them into trouble. People would be okay with it if they weren't lying about it. And maybe they would lose some people who think it's, oh, well, then it's too barbaric. I know how they make the sausage now, and I don't want to watch. But if the NHL continually says they're about player safety and they allow well, shots like not. this to go they through. They allow fighting. Yeah. <laughs> right. Seriously, <laughs> I, I, I agree with what Seth Rohrbach said. You should be responsible any head check, kind of like how you have to be responsible yes, for, your stick. for your stick. Except if you're going to say you can't hit a guy in the head, but you can still punch him in the face. Only body shots from here on out, guys. Work the body. Come on, they're not interested in safety. They're interested in the carnage. By the way, somebody shared a clip on Twitter that I think should be submitted as evidence. It's Ovi and Tom Wilson converging on somebody in the Columbus series, series doing the exact same thing. Yeah, that's a, you chase from behind and you attack from in no, front. No, but I'm saying it's like to, to totally pancake a guy. Yeah, that's what you do. You, I, I, you ever hear a team say we're going to pound the defenseman? When they go into a series because you want to wear them out? I just thought that meant finishing your checks. Well, I didn't think it meant mid-ice collisions, high-low in somebody. Malachi crunch. I just heard some national sports guy describe hockey that if we go 100 years in the future and look back at this and they see hockey, and 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 he likened it to skating, uh, not skating, is playing a sport with swords on your feet. Because what you're not, one of the things we, we were... Have you ever seen those blades on a skate? It's like a sword. It's very sharp. And when there's a scrum, mm-hmm. they take off their skates and kill each other. <laughs> anyway, I think it's a great sport. It is. Yeah. But it does have elements that are... Barbaric? Barbaric. All right, you said it. Yeah, but all contact sports do. Sure. I'll say this about the Wilson thing. It's a thing. gladiator sport. We always hear that. Bill, I agree with you that Wilson, Wilson saw a shot and he took it. But if Dumoul- dirty hit fell in his lap, if Dumoulin doesn't pull up and turn back, he doesn't get hit in the head with Wilson's shoulder. He he would have had to take on Ovi, and he didn't want to do that. And it, it developed the way it developed. And I, so his punishment should not be getting a cheap shot to the back of the head that was followed through by Wilson. Like that's why it happened, but that doesn't exonerate Wilson. Exactly. Exactly. It does a little bit because he turned and ducked. But he followed through when he got the shot. Yes, he did. You so can see that di- when they slow the it down. But if Dumoulin's upright, he's following through shoulder on right. shoulder. And I, I, I don't know how the league's going to rule on this, but don't be surprised if they say Dumoulin turned himself and Wilson didn't have time to react. Play on. They should burn the tape of that game so that nobody sees how bad the officiating was. It wasn't good. Uh, Sports is are brought to you by Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. There's an S on the end of Ruth's apostrophe S. It's not Ruth Chris. A lot of people, isn't it ironic people make that mistake? 
They call it Ruth Chris. Yeah, it's Ruth's Chris. It's Ruth's Chris. It's a lady named Ruth who has a son named she, Chris. She that she owns named, Chris. Yeah, so it's Ruth's Chris because there was another lady who had a son named Chris. At any rate, Christopher Latang. Couple of calls. We'll, de- <laughs> we'll debate uh, Wilson and Dumoulin. We'll debate did Patrick Hornquist score at the end of the game. But uh, don't forget the Capitals' second goal of the first period. It occurred on the power play at 1454. Of the first period, uh, the Penguins challenged Jacob Verana's goal as uh, having occurred after goaltender interference had been perpetuated on the Pens' Matt Murray. Uh, The replay review was denied. It was called a good goal, but Murray thought afterward that, yes, he had been interfered with. Uh, I did, yeah. I did. You know, I was pretty disappointed. you know, as, as a goalie, you just want to be able to do your job. And um, When something like that happens and you can't do it, you just want to see the rule be upheld. So I was just uh, I was disappointed in that one. Yeah, Pens were uh, really disappointed in the third period when midway through, Patrick Hornquist appeared to have scored, but it was a no-goal call on the ice, and they reviewed it on the replay and said they couldn't determine that a goal had been scored, so it stayed 3-1 instead of uh, the Pens closing to within 3-2. Pens not happy that they got beat 4-1 and that the series is tied 1-1, but uh, Matt Murray liked the way the uh, Penguins took what was thrown at them officiating-wise and just kept coming. Yeah, you just forget about it. I think we did a really good job at not letting either of them get the better of us. responded the right way. We played hard. Um, I really liked our game tonight, to be honest, apart from the first period where we might have, uh, you know, had our best, but other than that, I really liked our game tonight. I didn't hate it. The first period, they were uh, getting run out of the building, but uh, they got it together, I thought, pretty well after that. And uh, they had some looks. I uh, hope he made some nice stops. A couple pucks dribbled yeah, just did. wide oh. of the post. Yeah. The Hornquist thing could have, uh, you know, could have been different. It's not uh, at least my take on it. I didn't watch that game and think, oh, the Capitals have this figured out. They're going to exploit this or that, and they've got the pens on the run. It's just it's one one. It's probably most people thought it was going to be a six or game, six or seven game series at the start, mm-hmm. and uh, now we're down to a best of five, and the pens have home ice advantage. Uh, they could certainly use Brian Tumlin back. Uh, they could use Evgeny Malkin and Carl Hagelin loss. back. Would, are those three guys? Who do you want back most? Ugh, I want Malkin back. Malkin and Dumlin would be my. No offense to Malkin and, and Hagelin. I'd take Dumoulin. Yeah, because there's just no, no room there. There's no depth, and he's such an important part of that defense. I think his goal... He's a pretty important part. Did Yeah, there was a... Starkey had a great article about him in, uh, in the paper this past weekend. Just how that guy's won all the way up the ranks. High school championships... College championships comes to the Penguins wins championships. Something special about that. Yeah. Maybe not so coincidental. Although right. I'd argue if you go to BC, you got a pretty good chance of winning. Okay. <laughs> and if uh, you get on Sidney Crosby's team in the NHL, you got a pretty <laughs> yeah. good chance of winning. Buckos with a big weekend. Big weekend, and what a day for Nick King. I mean, I started watching that game. Uh, they were on before the Penguins yesterday. Mm-hmm. And uh, young Nick Kingham was doing so well, I kept. Uh, Punching back and forth, the first major league start for Nick Kingham. He goes seven innings, one hit. He went six and two-thirds, perfect, to start his big league career. Then gave up a hit and then got out of the seventh, unscored upon, no walks, 
nine strikeouts. That's huge. Incredible. And the Pirates beat the Cardinals five to nothing. They complete uh, a three-game sweep at PNC Park. Another young kid who's battled a, a ton of adversity to get here. Tommy John on the way up. Yep. Once was a really well thought of prospect, and then he has the surgery, and you got to kind of go back to the end of the line and work your way back again. Uh, Seventeen and eleven for the Pirates. Now they are in Washington tonight. Jamison Tyone against Tanner Rourke, first of three against the Nationals. All right, we'll talk more about the Steelers draft with Tim Bantz coming up at nine fifteen. But when we come back from this break, Matthew Fred, he's the director of the Sheets versus Wawa documentary, the Battle of Pennsylvania convenience stores, which have. <laughs> They've both sort of grown. They've morphed into something more than just a pit stop along the highway. We'll ask uh, Matthew Fridge about those differences. Tim Benz, 915, and Sally Wigan filling in with sports. Or, I'm sorry, news. Top of the hour. Although you have great sports insight. Not much anymore. Okay. It's going to be sport at 930. No, but no, I I do. I watch sports all the time. Mm -hmm. Did you watch any of the uh, Western uh, Conference uh, playoffs? Marc-Andre Fleury? Yes, gosh, yes. Oh, God. I, I didn't know what sports you were talking What sport? Did you I'm, see that Pittsburgh I is watch, number I, one and number two for their first two games in ratings across the country? Oh, that's awesome. Everybody is still watching flower the flower. Fans. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, what he's doing is special out there. It is. Might have got robbed on Saturday night, too. I thought you See, I watch basketball, NBA also. Yeah? I watch the NBA. Mm-hmm. Did yeah. you watch the Cavs yesterday defeat the Pacers? Yeah, a little bit of it. Just a teeny bit. I didn't get to see because I went to the movie again. LeBron. Big shot at the end there for Indiana. He's better than Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan had Scottie Pippen. LeBron doesn't have anybody, although I love Kevin Love. You I can love t- him. You can speak up. I love Kevin Love. Okay, I love him. There you go. <laughs> Big shot by the Pacers at the end. Yeah. Three at the buzzer. I didn't see it. Which Too bad they were down by five or seven or yeah. whatever it was. They didn't. They didn't win against Cleveland, but they won in Vegas, baby. <laughs> oh, that kind of big shot! I got you. All right, don't forget you can win tickets to every home game Ticket. against the Capitol. Send us a video, sixty seconds or less. Upload it to YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, etc. Then share the link with us online. The registration form is at dve.com. Use that 60 seconds to tell us why you should win the tickets, why you're such a big Penguins fan. It's simple. Uh, use your uh, creativeness to uh, explain why you should be at each game against the Capitals here in Pittsburgh, cheering on your Pittsburgh Penguins. Go to dve.com. It is the DVE Morning Show. Randy Bauman along with... Bill Crawford, Sally Wiggins filling in for Val. Val will be filling in for Sean McDowell doing afternoons all week long. And joining us right now is the director of the new documentary Sheets vs. Wawa, Matthew Fridge. Matthew, good morning. How are you? Hey, good morning. I'm doing doing awesome. How are you guys? All right, good. Well, how doing did you, good. first of all, come up with the idea to do this documentary? What was the impetus for it? Well, <clears throat> excuse me. I, um, I went to school with a lot of people from the eastern side of the state. And, you know, it was probably... Well, almost 15 years ago now. Where'd and, you go to uh, school? IUP, baby. Okay. Right on. <laughs> so you and, went to um, IUP. You're a Pittsburgh guy originally? I, I'm, a, I'm a Western PA guy. Okay. Uh, and um, worked in Pittsburgh for a while. But yeah, I went to school and was, became well acquainted with the fact that all these people from the eastern side of the state were singing the praises of Wawa. And, uh, and I felt, you know, I remember feeling welling up in me this, this uh you know uh enrage how could you love how could you love one and 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 me love the other and uh it sort of all came back to me uh around thanksgiving i was 
driving by sheets and I was thinking like, man, I'd really love to do a documentary. My, my buddy just did a really successful documentary and I'd love to do that too. And, uh, just materialize sheets versus Wawa. And I'm like, this is, ha- this has to have been done. So, you know, went online and, you know, there were articles, there were Reddit forums, but nobody had, had sort of pulled all that together mm-hmm. as like the sheets versus Wawa place. So, started a Facebook page and put a poll and I was like, Hey, we'll just see if anybody bites on this. And, you know, almost 10,000 followers later, <laughs> uh, I guess it's a thing. So, you know, we're, we're, we're making a movie. We're doing it. So, Is it a rivalry like flyers penguins? I mean, what are we talking here? Have, have did you meet some contentious, uh, Wawa enthusiasts that were, uh, ready to throw down if anybody had a sheet shirt on? <laughs> It's funny, you know, the stores themselves, I wouldn't say they have a rivalry per se, but, you know, the fans, the lovers, the people who are just so um, loyal to one or the other uh, are very are very um, vocal about it. I mean, just super vocal. I've gotten stories, read tons of comments on the Facebook page and Instagram and Twitter, um, just people saying, you know, you know, I had... This hoagie from Wawa, and then I went to Sheets, and it's, it's not the same. And, you know, it ranges from being very cordial to, you know, maybe not so cordial, <laughs> a little heated. You know, some people are, uh, they're very passionate about one or the other, and they, they're very vocal about it. Okay, so uh, first of all, so I, are you saying the documentary is not done yet? The documentary is still in production. We're still working on it. All right. So, what's the? Where is the closest Wawa to Western Pennsylvania? Like, where is the Mason-Dixon line of, of Wawa? Um. Well, so if you go go a little past State College and you're moving, the Mason-Dixon line is a little bit more toward the eastern side of the state because Wawa, it, Wawa is like their gravitational pull is Philly and you know into <laughs> New Jersey and that area in Northeast PA. And, yeah, and and so as as you go past um, State College, and then in Berks County, and that area is, I believe there are eight sheets and eight Wawa's, and a new sheet and a new Wawa being built simultaneously. So that's one of the sort of like epicenters of uh, of it, as well as um, you know you start getting down into uh, Frederick's. And and in Virginia, you're you're starting to mix oil and water there. You know. Okay, so their sheets bleeds over into Wawa land a little more than Wawa comes over here. Yeah. All right. So how many? Which of the two stores has more uh, um, franchises. franchises around the state? Uh, that's a good question. Around the state, I, I'm not a hundred percent sure. Wawa though has um, over seven hundred stores. And Sheets is about 600. And so Wawa has more locations than Sheets. Um, but Sheets has got some pretty vocal vocal people, and they're not going down quietly. No, no, you know? no. Very passionate Sheets uh, consumers here. <laughs> is there video footage of anybody trashing a Sheets after a Steelers Super Bowl? Because we know that there's video footage of, of Philly fans <laughs> trashing a Wawa, which I don't think would ever yeah. happen at a Sheets. Jeff uh, Reed did. Jeff, <laughs> Jeff Reed trashed a Sheets. Yeah, but that was a one-man riot. Well, right, right. Um, <laughs> which is really, that, that was his hip-hop name. <laughs> we'll have to find out if, if Sheets fans are more respectful 
in in the in the fit of rage or excitement, one or the other, if they're more respectful, that might that's we'll probably have to add that to our criteria of mm-hmm. of, of finding out which is better. So, do you have a list of criteria that you're going to use in order to weigh the judgment of which is better? Yeah, we're actually going to work with a a scientist to create an actual scientist. You know, because I'm from the western side of the state. Nobody's going to believe that I can be impartial, right? right Especially yeah. the, uh, no one from Wawa country will believe it. So I have to take <laughs> myself out as a true documentarian. So we're, we'll get a scientist to lay out, you know, whether it's, um, you know, the, the speed of the gas pumps, the, the coffee taste test, uh, you know, Ooh, NPO, like NPO or cleanliness. Or, uh, cleanliness, you know. And then you uh, have to separate foods, right? You have to do best breakfast, best lunch, best exactly. dinner, best late night, best uh, burger, best whatever. Like, you're going to have to, you know, clean bathrooms. It's going to go round for round. Yeah. yeah. There's going to be a lot to consider here. Condiment Absolutely. accessibility. And, you know, we, I welcome anybody to go to the website, go to the Facebook page. If you think of something that we should test, send it to us. We want to, I mean, this is a movie for the fans, you know, this is a movie for the, the people, you know, yes. so we want to hear from the people what they, what they think is important so that we can, uh, can include it in the film. Okay. So what's the website? Sheets versus Wawa.com. So it's Sheets vs. Wawa.com. Okay. Help, help uh, director Matthew Fridge figure out which is better, Sheets or Wawa. A man with the last name Fridge was born to make this documentary. <laughs> Thanks, Matthew. Appreciate your time this morning. All right. Thank you, guys. Okay, man. We'll see you. I right. wonder if Wawa has its own language. You know, like the shitza and the schmuffin. Like a wuffin. They have a wuffin and a whamburger. They should. I'm a big Sheets fan. And I've Huge. said, anybody that's ever really? had to like travel at night, Sheets is like this. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's an oasis. Because you see the sign when you're driving, it's a you're beacon like, oh, on a hill. I can go there. I mean, you can take uh, a, like a trucker shower in the bathroom of those places, and then come out, and there's a nice meal waiting for you. What What's not great about that? Because I try not to shower in there. In the selection that you know, they usually have a big selection to choose from. So a lot of times, like a truck stop or something like that, as you're driving along the road, you pull off, and you know they'll have like three bags of chips to choose from. Or whatever. This is like you're talking. They're on the seventh Dorito at Sheets. Oh yeah, and out there in the burbs, yeah. where this, a lot of those sheets like are, when you're it's at bumping like it's a nightclub. Oh yeah, no, you it walk is. in there at like one o'clock in the morning and it's banging. Yeah. Well, now with the bricks and everything, they make it homey. Yeah. It's, it's um. They're gonna start booking bands. You watch. I'm telling you, Sheets. But where, a, so, get a DJ so, in there. Where are Sheets? Every- a CJ. Sheets are everywhere. Now they're bleeding over onto the east side of the state. Yeah. That's what I yeah. yeah. They're definitely they definitely moved north. They're, I could have sworn I saw one in Ohio. You probably did. You probably did. Sheets has taken over. They are. I noticed the same thing about Fridge, but I was I wanted to listen to your interview. But I thought, <laughs> oh my God, his name is Fridge. He's perfect for this. Born to do it. I mean it it you know what? It's a symbol of our culture. Eating on the run? Yeah. Yeah, but cl- it's about cleanliness, too, man. Like, if you go in and a place is clean... I don't need cleanliness. All right, Sally Reagan <laughs> with a dirty newscast when we come back. True loving. And the news is brought to you by Channel 11 News on Fox 53 weeknights at 10. Okie doke. You didn't have to say that. I'm sorry. That's okay. All right. That's okay. Go ahead. I'll get fired, but that's all right. <laughs>
They can't fire you. Yeah, they can. No, they can't. We already had this discussion. Yeah, they can. You'd have to do something egregious. No? No, they're good people. They wouldn't fire me. Good. All right. What do you got more going on More and more people there? are watching YouTube. No, that's not the story. Let me do this one first. Sorry. Um, Vancouver, British Columbia has a record no city wants. They set the record for the highest gas price ever in North America yesterday. Vancouver's $1.61.9 a liter works out to be about $4.77 a gallon. Can you imagine? Wow. No. No. Whoa. And you have to go long distances in, in <laughs> right. British Columbia. Yeah, there's 90 miles between villages. The, the, the gas pricing regional station across North America, wait, the gas pricing website, Gas Buddy, says that's the highest ever paid at any gas regional station across North America in the history of fuel. California had the previous record with a statewide average of 461 a gallon. Don't you that feel- in 2008, just, I'm just going to say one word. Okay. Sustainable energy. I thought Buy that was, a hybrid. That's, I've that's got a hybrid. Words. Oh, words. Okay. But yeah, I know what you mean. Mm. And don't you feel like the the uh, the oil tycoons can just mess with the gas prices just a little bit and make millions more? Like if they determine that they just ah oh, our quarterlies are down a little bit, let's pinch it up just fifteen cents. I'm not smart enough to know that. I don't know how that stuff works. Because I just I don't, I don't know either, what controls the gas prices, but it's like. It went up. I know that. Well, because it's what's it's at at least three dollars, right? It's at two ninety nine. I don't no, know, but see, I I I don't pay that because I'm. You're Sally Wiggins. No, Sally, I, no, I have a hybrid vehicle. There you oh. go. I like hybrids. Yeah. What if Not you just forget cars. to charge? Okay, it? What else? What if you okay, get, uh, forget to charge? I don't your have car? to charge it. My, oh. it. Okay, more and more people are watching YouTube videos on their television to capitalize on that. The streaming video company is switching to its advertising strategy, 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 strategy a little. The company wants to make sure that marketers who advertise to people with more traditional TV viewing habits can get their message out to the YouTube users. While streaming services continue to grow, audiences, advertisers are still spending much more on these traditional television audiences. I've just gotten into Hulu and Netflix and Amazon yeah. Prime. Going and watching a show on YouTube, that that's just too much for me. Well, it'll, you know, it's not going to be difficult. It'll be just like accessing Hulu, I mean, or, or any of those other apps because it'll now be on well, I couldn't do that for a long time. I didn't get it. I know, but I didn't get you... a digital TV until December. Okay, so what platform do you use? Do you use it off your cable or off of the digital TV? Do you actually download the apps onto your TV and then access the apps? I don't know. Okay, well, mm-hmm. it'll be. YouTube. I just know there's a little red thing. I have to use a different control, and there's a little okay. red button. It's because I have an LG, and if I press that button, then Hulu comes on. Okay, well, it'll be the same thing for YouTube. Which uh, what Hulu show are you enjoying the most right now? Well, I'm going to start watching. Although I don't Handmaid's want to. Tale. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't want to do it. First year, Too but depressing. they say it's even darker. No, uh, I, I, I'm. People I like said dark. it's really good though. Yes, and I want to see Lost in Space on Netflix. I haven't seen that. Uh, something that was really good was um, I think it was Godless. It was a western. Yeah, Val, Val loves that. Show. Yeah. It's really really good, and uh, I, I like Jeff Daniels in I that. Like that a lot. Yes, I have yeah. not seen that documentary about the cult. That everyone's been talking about. I want to watch no, that. It's no. like Wild Wild West or something like that. It's called. I still. Oh yeah. Seen it. I still haven't. Wild seen it. Country. Wild or Country. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I have one more story since okay. since we're talking about how you pronounce things and whether it's pronounced P 
pecan, pecan, no, pecan or pecan, pecan, say I pronounce it pecan. Pecans are finally getting their place in the spotlight. For the first time ever, the pecan industry is launching a national consumer campaign. Pecan growers and suppliers are hoping to break out of the pie shell, ha ha, and show consumers that pecans, I didn't write that, pecans are more than just a holiday pie. Growers say the pecan is the only tree nut native to North America, but many consumers aren't aware of their versatility and health benefits. I pecans are great. See, I I eat walnuts instead. I, I just eat I, because walnuts have been proven to have really uh, good brain good food. Ha- brain food, but they're also good for your heart. They have mm-hmm. cardiovascular benefits. But um, um, I say pecan. Okay. What do you say? Pecan? No pecan. Pecan. Oh, you say I pecan. say more like pecan. 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 Yeah. I don't like the pie, but the big fan of the uh, the pecan in the salad. Sure. I like that. No, those Little probably texture. are walnuts. I bet you don't know the difference between a walnut and a pecan. I bet you I do. How about that? <laughs> Bill eats nuts all the time. I have to tell you, that's I not, listened last Tuesday to you guys talk about crackers. Great. Yeah. You and Billy, you guys are all talking about crackers. Yeah. Did it make you want crackers? Yeah. I know. Which is your which is your favorite cracker? The club cracker. Yeah, I love the club cracker, I, which I, is a takeoff of the captain's wafer from the Lance. And crackers. I was at a graduation, uh-huh. uh, a, a nursing graduation for one of my surrogate daughters this weekend, mm-hmm. and they had a tray with cheese and crackers. And people always pick up the little metal thing and grab their little cracker. Yeah. You are getting more germs by touching the metal thing that everybody else is touching than if you use your fingers and gingerly pick up the cracker with Preach. your hand. Preach, Sally Wiggins. I'm telling you. So I was just grabbing. Gingerly grab crackers, not the not the uh, <laughs> and claw. And they were all club crackers. I Plus the, the claw is too aggressive for a cracker. You have like this big metallic. Going but you over there. Like, but, but you, and so doink. when I'm standing Pick in up the line, two little crackers. This is what happens when you get when you're we're older. You just start talking to people and telling them things. And you're standing in the line, and people are using the metal thing. And I say, you know, you're touching everybody else's germs on that. <laughs> Meanwhile, Sally's just grabbing a handful of Longhorn cheese cubes. You <laughs> know, but you're making more germs was, than I am. <laughs> I thought it was quite brilliant of me to notice that. Sure, no one has ever said that to me before. I'm not leaning into the mic. I'm sorry. It's... I've never been at a party that had the tongs for the crackers. <laughs> always or at a charity did... event. No, but when you're at a charity event. Always okay. at a charity They're event. always at charity events. It drives I, me I sound crazy. like a parent. I hardly ever eat. everything he's saying. I hardly ever eat at a charity event. Are you kidding me? Yeah, because I'm usually working at it. It's yeah. in some I capacity. I immediately head for the table, stand there for a long time, and talk I've to people it. with my mouth full. I've seen you walk in. No, I've seen eating. that. No, I, I know you do. <laughs> Yeah. What do you mean you've seen that? I've seen you in action. Yeah, it's it's you don't not play my games. mother would be appalled. I've seen you eat somebody else's salad <laughs> before they were done eating it, and you had just met them with her hands. No, I use a fork. <laughs> she used a fork. She goes, "That looks good," and she just started eating her salad. No, my... it was Kara Sapita. Ask Kara Sapita. Sally, oh God, this is Kara Sapita. Kara, this is Sally Wiggins. She's like, "Hi," and, and Sally's like, "I'm starving. What are you eating?" And she's like, "A salad." Do you want oh some? And she God. went, yes. And then she finished her salad. <laughs> and Kara was like, not even milkshake. halfway through it. No. And there was like 10 of us did having I dinner. Did I really do that? Oh, yeah. You oh. did it at the Gypsy Cafe on the south side about se- six, seven years ago. Oh, I th- well, when you name your place the Gypsy Cafe, what do you expect? Well, you expect the- you got to protect your food salad. if you're eating there. That is true. That's her fault. That place I blame Kara. Awesome. Photo- my photojournalist, Brian Caldwell, who I work with on Chronicle, um, 
he'll get in the car and he'll have something and it'll he'll open it and it's like my my head pops up mm-hmm. and i look and you know how like what is it like wiley coyote looks over the road runner yeah. i'm looking over and he just looks at me he said you are like a dog the minute i hear the crackle of paper, your sense of smell i'll say what's that <laughs> you can smell a treat from a mile away i love it tim benz is on the phone right now from trib live sports benzie good morning how are you it's a rite of passage. You haven't made it in the Pittsburgh media until Sally Wigan has eaten something that you have purchased. <laughs> True. I, I love you, Tim. Uh, my first weekend anchoring at Channel 4, uh, I believe there is still to this day a turkey bacon Subway sub that I didn't get a bite of because uh, <laughs> Sally happened to come in the sports department as I was just arriving after purchasing this. I hang out in What kind of savage are you? in there and just start <laughs> I like take a German Shepherd. You no, just I go take, in and start eating? I take people's food. I do. Yeah, that's a bad trait. It's a food thief. I'm a food uh, thief. I think the conversation went something like, hey, new guy, are there onions on that? I said, no. She goes, give me some. <laughs> Did I, I like it, though, that? because she, look, she's not sneaking around. you got to at least give her credit for Debo and people in I person. Did, oh, I no, didn't yes. say n- new guy, but I, I, I loved him. It's an initiation process, and I was honored to go through it. Tim, the Steelers selecting uh, quarterback... And uh, wide receiver combo from Oklahoma State, Mason Rudolph, and uh, is it James Washington? Did I get that right? Yes. yes uh, all right. right. So you were one of the few people I saw who was enthusiastic about this draft choice. Explain to me what makes you so excited about the Steelers drafting a quarterback again this year. With Mason Rudolph, Randy, unless the parallax angle deceives my <laughs> eyes, yes. he throws one hell of a deep ball. Um, I know a lot of people say that that's his only trick. He's kind of like a one-trick pony for quarterbacks, but uh, I think he's experienced, poised in the pocket. He moves in the pocket better than he gets credit for. Uh, I think he's accurate. I don't think he has um, the arm strength, like, for instance, that Josh Allen did, but I can certainly think of another tall quarterback from a Power 5 conference that didn't throw a great deep ball but had maturity and a chip on his shoulder. And last time I checked, he won a couple Super Bowls in New England. So uh, I'm not going to look at the faults of this player. More I'm going to look at his positive attributes. And uh, I fell in love with him watching him two years ago. Uh, it was before the pick game that was just entrenched by the pick game and then the next pick game thereafter and all the others in between. I like this quarterback. He was my second favorite quarterback in the draft after Sam Darnold. And uh, if you're going to tell me that the wide receiver made him in James Washington, well, they got the wide receiver too. So (laughs) what's wrong with that? (laughs) They backed up a pick that they picked before. Uh, Right, yeah. So what's your overall grade on this draft? Because it seems to me like they, they made do after things didn't go exactly the way they anticipated they they would, and that includes having the ability to trade up and get uh, Rudolph in the third round. I think they thought he was going to be gone, and then that just changed the trajectory of everything after that. Well, Randy, let's go higher-level thinking. If we're talking parallax geometry, let's go to Brown University and let's not do grades, okay? Let's do like more open-ending evaluation without a grade point average. Um, Because honestly, that's that's how I view this. It's really hard to put like an ABC on this because – they did draft a lot for the future. They're buttressing themselves just in case Ben Roethlisberger does decide to leave earlier than anticipated. And that's a big storyline to this, too. I mean, we're all quick to dismiss Le'Veon Bell and Martavis Bryant and say, oh, you can't trust these guys. Well, maybe we can't trust Ben for a different reason. He seems to change his mind a lot in his future, doesn't he? And, like, what if he gets hurt this year? He's got a right to change his mind. 
and they have a quarterback that they really like, a guy that the Bengals might have taken, a guy that the Patriots might have taken. So they took him first. I think that's something else that has to factor into this equation. That's a good point. Um, you know, and then to get to the whole evaluation of the team and what they did with the two safeties, Allen and Edmonds, in the first round, again, how do you evaluate whether or not they got the right guys for their defensive system when we haven't seen the new defensive system yet? And it really is changing. Like It dawned on me when they took Allen for the second safety in the draft that there was one guy they thought they could do Ryan Shazier things. Well, two, probably. They knew they couldn't get up to get Roquan Smith. But the only other guy that they thought that could positively impact them at inside linebacker in this draft was Evans. And when they couldn't get up, they said, forget it. None of the other guys we evaluate as being able to cover as well. We're just going to get a guy who's going to turn into another Vince Williams type or more of a run stuffer anyway. So let's just get safeties and flood the middle of the field with safeties. And I'm going to give it a shot. You know who else does a lot of that? The Patriots. You know, we sit around and we say, this defense has to change. This defense has to change. Why can't they be more like the Patriots? Well, they're trying to change the defense. They're doing some things that the Patriots do. So I'm going to give it a shot. Tim, did they uh, reveal to us their new method of scouting? Just kind of hang out at Heinz Field and whoever lights up Pitt, get that guy. (laughs) (laughs) I wrote about that today, actually, in the Trib. Uh, It's not just Washington and Rudolph. Did you realize that? I did realize that. That's why I asked you the question. Yeah, it's not just those two. And, yeah, they torched Pitt. I think Rudolph's numbers in two games was 1,037 yards and a 7-1 TD to interception ratio. (laughs) James Washington, ironically traded for Martavis Bryant, had 420 receiving yards and two touchdowns in two games against them. Uh, The running back, Jalen Samuels, had 88 total yards in one game against him and two touchdowns. And even the defensive guys. Marcus Allen led Penn State in tackles against Pitt, one for a loss and one pass defense. And Terrell Edmonds in his junior year, because he, he was hurt for his senior year, also led Virginia Tech in tackles against Pitt that day. There's a definite um, buoying of these draft choices by what they've done against the University of Pittsburgh. Tim Benz. I knew he'd li- like that question. Tim Live Sports. Well, yeah, we got to get Pitt to somehow start playing in the SEC. <laughs> No, we got to get him to play in the AFC North is what we need. Benzie, thanks so much for your time this morning, man. Appreciate it. All right, great. Thanks, guys. Good to be on. We'll see you. So there you go. I mean, we get some... a little about Pitt, but he's, there's a point there. Yeah, he makes uh, some good points about Rudolph. I'm just kind of surprised they just give up on Dobbs one year later. Like, ah, this guy's better. Well, you got a good look at him. Uh, you know, it was maybe to begin with, but I, I think – the position is important enough that you have to treat it differently. Start taking shots at this point in Ben's uh, career. Maybe Rudolph's the next guy. Maybe he's a footnote in Steelers history. But you don't want to get to the point where you no longer have Ben and then you don't have a viable option and look back and say, ah, three years ago you should have been thinking about this and addressing this. Right. They're, you know, maybe they win the Super Bowl next year. Maybe they don't. They're, they don't want to get caught empty at that position. And I, I can't say that's a wrong philosophy or a wrong theory because it's the most important position on the field Steelers draft Penguins playoffs and the Buccos sweep the Cardinals at home sports coming up next DV- DVE sports Mike proceeded with your sports right now on the DVE morning show sports this hour brought to you by Caseta by Lutron smart lighting controls let's uh, pick up where Benzie left off uh, first I want to talk a little bit more about Mason Rudolph had a chance to uh, have an extended chat with him on Saturday when I was working a couple of hours on the uh, wall-to-wall ESPN Pittsburgh coverage. 
And uh, Mason Rudolph told us that he thought he could have easily been one of those quarterbacks. If you wanted to draft him high and throw him right in there, he'd have been fine with that. But in the situation he wound up in, coming to Pittsburgh and knowing he is going to sit for a period behind Ben Roethlisberger, he thinks that might work out pretty well too. Could be ended up being even better. He may cut out a little bit of the, of the you know of the growing pains. I think you know you, you're able to learn a lot more. You know, uh, learn by watching and learn by learning, and, and without you know, learn by mistakes. And so I think you cut down on the mistakes when you when, you, when you're able to do that. Now he's obviously a guy who was picked with a, a valuable asset, a third round choice, and he's the plans at least he is not going to help this year. So he's not going to help him win the Super Bowl in 2018. I think a couple of these guys fall into that category. Kevin Colbert addressed that as well. You know, some people may question the immediacy of these kids being able to help us, but as I said, our job is to win a championship in 2018. But the other part of our job is to make sure that this organization can compete um, year in and year out, and hopefully these young men will help us do that. And, you know, do you have a problem with that philosophy, trying to be good every year and be knocking on the door every year and then uh, operating under the theory that eventually you're going to break through and win it all? Or do you want them to shove all the chips into the table and then three years from now go 4-12? and 12? Uh, You know, if you can serve both of those interests, yeah. and I think they tried to do know, that. And, and, to win now and protect the future, I mean, that's ideal. Colbert obviously. even pointed out the reason that James Washington and Mason Rudolph were selected in the order they were is because the receiver can help now. So they got the receiver on the second round and waited on Rudolph for the third round because they know he's a down-the-road guy. I'm hoping that receiver is echoes of um, Anquan Bolden. The rep, Combat is, catch. the rep is he's a tough guy, gets the 50-50 balls, about as far from a diva as you can get. Hard worker. Now, he, he came out of that same pass-crazy... Uh, hurry-up system that uh, Mason Rudolph came out of. It's going to be a little different in the NFL for him as well. He only runs a a 4, I think it's a 4.54, which is not world-class track guy speed at Mm -hmm. wide receiver. But one of the points that the offensive coordinator Randy Feekner made about James Washington is because they run so many routes at Oklahoma State, you have to be highly conditioned. You're doing it all the time. And he said he runs 4.54 every play. So I, I think he's a nice fit. Uh, particularly getting rid of Bryant, who I'd have been fine with if they kept him for one more year and see what you could get out of him. But they were not going to sign him to a long-term deal. So they got more value out the door than it cost them to bring him in the door. Got some mileage out of him in between. I think you have to begin the process, too, of getting rid of uh, head case guys. Yeah. If it's a me me first kind of guy, unless he is A-B, that seems to have been a theme through this draft as well. Yeah. Uh, so we'll see how it works out. Uh, Penguins uh, coming off a 4-1 to one loss in D.C. The uh, Eastern Conference semifinals are tied at a game apiece. One of the big plays yesterday, the non-goal that Patrick Hornquist thought he scored, but they didn't call it a goal on the ice. And then the replay review did not put a goal on the scoreboard. Uh, Mike Emmerich on uh, the NBC broadcast said the word they got was the NHL said that there was no definitive look that said it was a goal, so it wasn't a goal. Uh, Hornquist talked about that and everything that happened before and afterward. 
I don't know about the mentorship. Obviously, we would like to to only be down to go, uh, one goal instead of two. But I think our second third period was really good. We were pushing. We had some chances, and they won the period. They won the game in the first period. And um, yeah, we, we have to build off those of of those uh, two last periods from our side. It was really good. Yeah, I would agree with them. I thought they played well in the second and third period. They gave up a power play goal. Two minutes and eight seconds uh, into the second, that made it three nothing, and that was a pretty daunting uh, hill that they had to climb from there. But I thought they did a good job of getting to their game and, and cutting down on the uh, grade A scoring chances for Washington and threatening Braden Holtby. The next step will be to actually score on Braden Holtby. Here's Mike Sullivan. Well, we had a lot of scoring chances, but so didn't they. So I, I think it's uh, I think we got to do a better job at. at being a little more hard, more difficult to play against and limiting some of the chances that they get. So, um, but having said that, we had a, we had a number of quality chances as well. So, at some point, we've got to find a way to score goals, and so that's uh, that's certainly something that we'll go to work and, and try to get better at. Yeah, the Penguins also need to have a much better start than they had in either of the two games in Washington when they take the ice Tuesday night in Game Three. Here's Crystal Tang. They came with a push. Obviously, they're in their building. Uh, they came with a push, and I, I don't think we uh, physically we matched their uh, compete. Um, and uh, we saw in the second and third period, and we had our way against them. Uh, we just have to be ready from the start next week. I thought in the first period, Mike, they were hanging Murray out to dry. Yeah, they giving were giving up way too many chances. They were, and uh, that got a little unlucky too. We hadn't talked about this yet today, but that first goal by Ovechkin. Mm-hmm. It, was, uh, it looked like it was going to be a two-on-one with Kuznetsov, and then Patrick Hornquist hustled back, and he actually took the puck off Kuznetsov and just kind of backhanded right, it right to his to left to, to get get it away from Kuznetsov, and it goes right on Ovi's tape. And, he and then he just picked the corner. Yeah. I mean, uh, good luck That was good that. hustling play by Hornquist. He was trying to do the right thing, and that's what they call puck luck. Yes, it is what they call puck luck. I just so, love the way Hornquist plays, man. He was in Holtby's breadbasket all day yesterday. He was getting tangled up with a, a bunch of different players. Did you see Smith Pelly in him? Oh, or, yeah. Really, it was one-sided. Oh, that but thing, Smith, yeah. Smith uh, Pelly was saying one phrase over and over and over again. When they were in the box, even. <laughs> yeah. That was that's starting to bubble. Who this got is- Who took him down there on that one play? I can't. It was, it was either Orloff or... I thought it was Orloff, yeah. Yeah. There was some stuff going on in front of the net that... Uh, they didn't call anything yeah. at all. It was brutal. Uh, you know, they uh, tracked down Sid. Somebody from TMZ, like, tracked down Sid on the streets in D.C. Did you see this? Hey, so so you're you're on three, three Stanley Cups. You're almost, almost at, uh, you know, I, I think you guys got a good chance to go for four this year. <laughs> When it's all said and done, Sid's do you think Mario's going to be mad if you end up surpassing him as the greatest Penguin ever? Or is, he, are you, is it kind of like a father-son thing, man? He's I don't like, think he's got anything to worry about. So. He says, do you think, think, think Mario's... I think he set the standard. So. Yeah. All right. Well, one last question. Best duos, you and, you and Malkin yeah. or, or Lemieux and Yager? Got to go with Lemieux and Yager. Hey, Lemieux they've and got, Yager's got you guys? You got more points than us by... My landslide, so. But you guys got more cups. I don't really, I don't really look at it that way. Sorry, man. All right, Sid. Yeah. You're the man. Yeah. Thanks. It's 
kind of like soft spoken Sid Matthew or, or uh, Michael Rappaport asking those questions. Uh, who? Which one of you guys uh, has more uh, better MVP? Nah, nah. He's like, sorry, Remy, I got to get back into my uh, hotel here. Yeah, thanks was, for the question. Imagine that just hassling somebody like that on the street yeah. for a living. Wouldn't it be great if he can't be a jerk? Then yeah. then he's a jerk. Right, and then, and then there's a video. And he has to do that all the time, and he's yeah. like, "Oh man, it would be great if he had like." We should keep Ryan Reeves on the roster just for that. For just that, to, yeah, just to pop out of the bushes and yeah. beat up TMZ guys. <laughs> That'd be awesome. It's a brilliant idea. Get a, yeah. get a good that you never actually play. Hey, uh, can't get out of here without uh, another tip of the cap to Nick Kingham yesterday. Yeah, how about him? And not just seven innings, one hit, no walks, nine strikeouts in his major league debut. But boy, was he just attacking from. The yeah. get go, he said, "Hey, I'm in the big leagues. I belong here. I'm going after these Cardinals." And uh, that was really fun to watch. I, I saw about four innings uh, start to finish. Then I was jumping back and forth after the hockey game started. But uh, great job by him. Pirates complete a sweep, five to nothing. They're seventeen and eleven, and uh, they got their feet back under them after that brutal weekend in Philadelphia. Last weekend, now they're in uh, D.C. to take on the Nationals. Jamison Tyone against Tanner Rourke. Cardinals are wobbly. They're 15-12. and 12. Yeah. Surprising that they were kind of uh, inept defensively this weekend. Usually don't see that out of them. Sally Wigan, uh, been hanging out with us all morning long. Sally, so nice of you to fill in for Valerie this morning. We greatly appreciate it. It's always great to see Sally. It was nice. I was even going to volunteer to do it another, another day. but But you... Said, nah, forget it. No, I didn't think you here. would want me twice. I think we have the schedule filled. I know you do. We'd like you once, twice. No, I don't. I, three, three times. Three times a Sally. I, um. Because I love you. I was, um, I, I wanted to go to bed early, but I stayed up and watched Homeland. Yeah, see, now no, I got off no the spoilers, Homeland. No spoilers, no spoilers. This season is much better than it's been in a long time. And it, and, and I think it, I watched the first two, and then I just uh, no, no, no. It actually got it, it, and critics have said that it's back to what it used to be. I mean, it's really it's a good spy, and it's very current. It's uh, oh, unbelievable with so. with what is happening in it's the world today. Into a it's almost like they're and and I'm not going to tell you what happens, but you're going you're yeah. going to be shocked at what the end is. I've been a big fan since day one. I love Homeland. Yeah. So I I I I'd like I, to see a story I kept saying you need Brody to go to back. bed. No, no, you don't. Does like, Claire Dane give a comedy performance that pisses everybody off? Yeah, she does, believe it or not. Oh, yeah? yeah? Is that what it is? She, she tells a, a bunch of jokes she that offends everybody. She is great in that show. God, yeah, she yeah. is. There's nobody that's crazier yeah. than her in that show, too. But it, but it's an excellent role. But it's nice being here. And nobody can stare like Saul. He's oh, always he's really just good. staring at they things. They could just yeah. have him turn his head and stare at people. He wouldn't even have to have lines. <laughs> I actually met him. He was here for a charity event. Mandy Patinkin. Yeah, Did and we stare were. At you? He's he's a great dancer and singer. I yeah. mean, he's great on Broadway. He he's was lovely. great on Broadway. Yeah. And um, and, and Montoya. It was at the uh, Carnegie Music Hall. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in and I was in the front row. Yeah. And he decided after his performance that he was just going to sit and talk about his life. Oh yeah. And and he but he went on for almost an hour talking Mandy about Patinkin his life. Did. Yeah, just it, talking it, about himself. And we couldn't get up and leave yeah, because we were sitting right. <laughs> in front of he rude him. to Mandy no, Patinkin. No, no, no. But uh, um, you'd have to prepare. But I met him die. afterwards. So what did you say? Nice bright. to meet you, Mr. Patinkin. Yeah, or I, I'm Mandy? real. I'm really shy in circumstances like that. All no, I said was, "No, you're not. I've seen you." No, I've never. No, nice not to meet with you, Mr. Montoya. Stars. Who have you seen me? Uh, a movie star. I've seen you around celebrities. No. Yeah, sports figures. I've definitely seen you around. 
No, but those are local sports figures. Yeah, yeah. You. I mean, they're stars nationally and even internationally, but we know them here in Pittsburgh. Did you see your good dear friend Max Starks at the NFL draft this past weekend? No, I didn't. Yeah, he announced, what, our third pick? Did he? One of them. I yeah. didn't. I was listening on the radio, so I didn't. You see listen anything. to the draft on the radio. Mm-hmm. Now, that's interesting. Oh, serious. I have serious oh, XM. Well, thanks a lot. How amazing! No, was no, it? no. I listen to you. I have a. Oh, I have everything. Okay. No, I have, I, it's okay. I have serious too. So, all right. of course you do. So why'd you make me feel bad? Because it's fun. Because we had coverage all weekend on on ESPN, ESPN Radio nine seventy one zero six three. And I have the radio. It's, yeah, and I had that radio on too. Yeah. Did you give the the Steelers a grade? Are you grading the Steelers draft? Yeah, I, I'll give it a C because you don't know no, I think about was- Rudolph. Right. But I, I don't have a problem. Like like I said, I, I hate to say they should have taken this player instead of that player when they're both running backs because I don't evaluate this stuff nearly as intensely as they do. I would say I got to trust them I would on that. say a B minus. If they would come out in the second round and take a kicker, then I'm going to say that was pretty stupid. Um, <laughs> it would have been nice to see an inside linebacker. I didn't. I didn't like the tackle on the fourth Just round. Just depth, but uh, yeah, I would have liked something a little more immediate there. I get. I get the Mason Rudolph pick, but I would have liked a little more immediacy. Well, what was the one? Uh, and it might, you know, a description of the tackle that you had, where the guy still doesn't know the game yet, or something. Doesn't like? understand. He's, <laughs> yeah. he's from Botswana. Botswana. And he started playing football in high school. The family moved to Michigan, suburban Detroit. And he he'd grown up playing soccer, so he was the punter and the kicker initially in high school. And a pretty big punter. The coaches said, "You know, you're a little big for that. Why don't you try the line?" Good move by the Southfield High School coach. And then when he came out of high school, a bunch of big schools wanted him: Ohio State, Florida, people like that. He ended up going to Western Michigan. I'm not sure why. He's got the body. He looks the part. He doesn't have the innate understanding of football because he didn't grow up playing it his whole life. And they also say he's too nice. He needs to, he, he gets in people's way. He needs to start running them over and punishing them. They call that uh, eating glass in the scouting parlance. I've been to Botswana twice. It's a wonderful place. They play a lot of football there? I wasn't, I wasn't in the parts where they play football. Yeah, probably aren't those parts. It's hard to get angry when you're listening to tunes like this. Yeah. Botswana. Is this the Botswana music? Uh, it's a song called Botswana by God the Band. By God, the band. Yes, I'll maybe jack that up to C plus B minus. Okay, no, I said B minus, uh, but you yeah. ignored me. Well, I wasn't finished speaking yet. I'm sorry. Interjected. Well, you guys interject with each other all the time. Am I not allowed to interject? You can interject me whenever you want. <laughs> Wait a second. Uh, did you find your shoe yet? Yeah, I did. All right, good. Quick break. I like the tough guy uh, receiver. I hope he's a tough guy receiver. I've been sold that uh, yeah. bill of goods before, and uh, hoping this guy lives no, up to it. I think it. this guy's the real deal on that. He's, he's a farmer, Randall. He grew up working for a living. Yeah, that's right. Work ethic, values. Farmer. Sure. Excuse me, the people who worked in steel mills, steel mills have a great work ethic. I didn't say they didn't. Okay. All right. So Dude, you weren't being, are being exclusionary. Just no, no, this guy no, knows no, how no, to no, yoke an right. ox. I, I think just, he can I go just, up I, and I grab a third down catch. Yeah. Yeah. No, he didn't say. Not like he those, wasn't. He wasn't ex- not like those pansies in the newsroom. <laughs> he didn't say that. Well, how about the pansies in a radio studio? No, we're, I know. We're, Nobody says that thank word God anymore. We're Nobody not on the says team. that. Is pansy sexist? No, it's just not used. It's dated. I know. Well, so am I. Sally Wigan. Thanks. Quick break. We'll be right back. More Sally Wigan shoe.
It is the DVE Morning Show, and Sally Wiggins has been filling in for Val Porter this morning. Val will be filling in for Sean McDowell all afternoon. We've got the lines all uh, jumbled up here. We do. Things, everything is, is, is screwy. Um, Michelle Wolf performed at Wolf. the White House Correspondence Center this past weekend and has caused quite a bit of controversy. A lot of people very upset with her act, uh, and uh, others thought it was right on the mark. Here's one of her jokes. Mr. President... I don't think you're very rich. Like, I think you might be rich in Idaho, but in New York, you're doing fine. Trump is the only person that still watches who wants to be a millionaire and thinks me. Although I'm not sure you'd get very far. He'd get to like the third question and be like, I have to phone a fox and friend. So uh, she got vulgar at times. They hired her to roast people there and then she did it and everyone got mad so my question is why do they even have these dinners shouldn't reporters sally you're a lifelong journalist shouldn't you not st- lifelong shouldn't you stay separate from the subject that you're covering instead of trying to create a relationship that might uh, compromise your objectivity at some point no no because because it, it, what you're what you're assuming is they can't be objective when they're talking and having a civil conversation with someone, there's a civility that should be that should be part of society and that's lacking now. And part of it is when you cover someone and do your job and, and want to tell the truth and want to deal in facts, you can ask tough questions, but it doesn't mean that you have to be mean-spirited and hate somebody. And and having that dinner shows we can come together and make fun of each then other why did they in hire a civil a, discourse. I don't know why they an, hired someone a, who would offend people. Because it's a roast. It, you, you're the, the roast that you guys have, the DVE roast? Mm-hmm. I mean, horrible things were said about me. <laughs> I still talk to those I people. I apologized so many times. Yeah. I don't think you said. Did you say anything bad? Yeah, I did, and I don't want to remind you because no, you've please clearly don't, forgotten. Some other person said awful, awful things about me. Me? No. I think. Yeah, that you. <laughs> you actually did. Definitely. Too. Oh, wait, wait. Heat. I am remembering one. It was like I was the person being roasted, and I was one of the roasters. I know, but that happens at a roast. <sighs> See, to me, it's it, the greatest it, opening line to a roast of all time. What? You know, we don't need to revisit. Oh can't, no, can't let's not go it. there. <laughs> and everybody immediately pulled their speeches out of their pocket and started putting back. You'll in. be missing I an ear. Seriously, it was too crude for public consumption. Why is everybody? So, everyone's a just just a bunch of snowflakes. You know, you're upset about a comedian. Like I don't even understand that. No, what? I I think what I think what people are upset about is that that. If it's if it's mean spirited, it just it's not like it's hurting anything necessarily, but it's just not something that people are into right now. It's sort of this this new wave of roasting where it's people that don't know each other saying the most hateful and hurtful thing they could think of. Well, here's the thing. If it's mean spirited, that's okay. But if it's mean spirited and not funny, then that's not okay. And some of her mean spirited jokes we're not funny. Yeah, the Sarah Huckabee stuff, she really got to, the, she was just nailing her for lying every day. And there's some conflation as to whether or not she was joking about her looks. She really wasn't, but people really took 
exception with the, the line of jokes about Sarah Huckabee Sanders. I thought I thought most of it was really funny, and I understand why people don't. But if you're more upset about a comedian making jokes about people doing awful things and not as upset about the awful things, well, you know, maybe recalibrate. But if not, it is what it is. I mean, they told awful jokes about the Clintons back in the day, and it was hilarious. I know. I don't Don know. Imus I... destroyed them. And then Stephen Colbert did G.W. Bush, and they were so pissed. The next year, they had Rich Little. That's how far back they pulled. They're like, we need to pull this back. So I don't know how this has drifted back to. Are you saying Caliendo is going to be hosting it next year? No, but that might be what they want. She just probably didn't do the right material because a lot of people voted for a guy who made fun of a handicapped reporter. Yeah, well, that's his... On camera in a non-joke-telling setting. Actually, that's a very good point. And everybody loved that. I know. And he said recently that watching the Paralympics was hard to watch. Yeah. So this this is a guy... You can go down the list of vulgar... One insensitive, (laughs) offensive, vulgar comment after another. An avalanche for the last... Right. How long? So we know... But but oh, no, this is wrong. This comedian. We know it's not the vulgarity they have. Who's the snowflake now? (laughs) But I think the point is that a lot of people feel caught in the middle at the moment and that you know the matching the vulgarity with vulgarity is not the answer i like that caught in the middle in the moment well you were saying bill that you you know you're in comedy clubs enough and you you are able to take the temperature of crowds who come out to see comedy right they want to they want to get away from that stuff they don't want to have to be confronted with it everywhere because it's ever turn any channel and it's like somebody's talking about it they just want to be away from it, and they. I feel like people want to hear a message of people coming together. Which I, right. I mean, to, to me, the biggest the biggest problem is that you know the comics that they're getting now for these things is nobody knows who they are. They have no cachet with the the greater audience, mm-hmm. and they don't know anybody that they're roasting. If if it was somebody who at least was a recognized person then I just think that they would do a better job of navigating some of those tougher topics. Her voice is a little grating. She makes jokes about it all the time. I thought she was really funny in the Seth Rogen um, Hilarity for Charity Netflix special. I thought she was... She has a Netflix show now. Yes, which is... uh, She gained 200,000 followers on Twitter after this performance. Wow. Yeah. Well, somebody liked her. But if you're more upset about her abortion jokes than you are about the fact that they secretly were paying off people in the Republican Party who had, you know, their mistresses have abortions, then, again, you're allowed to be upset at both. (laughs) But maybe be more upset about one. It's a strange time. It's a very (laughs) strange time. Uh, I don't see the need for it. Mike, do they have uh, like sports uh, dinners where they get together with all the coaches and athletes and everyone just chums it up no matter what? And does that muddy the waters at all? Not formal ones, Mm -hmm. but uh, it occurs. You have drinks with guys every once in a while. um, We have dinner sometimes, the the Steelers media relations people and the people in the media. It's, uh, it's very nice. I've been to some of those. You know, part of the the gig, too, is you're you're supposed to develop some sources and actually get people to like right. you and tell you stuff it's not it can't be all adversarial all the time it's right just, that's a very that's a very good point and that's what journalism you gotta is. you gotta traverse but well and i guess when you're a professional too a lot of those journalists are emotionally detached from the situation whereas the people looking from the outside are very much emotionally attached to the mm-hmm. dy- dynamic between reporter and subject 
So it's a lot different for the people looking in on it. Like, no, you need to have complete impartiality. And now you're you're having uh, veal chops with these guys and it's going to impede any sort of uh, investigative notions you might have. But that's not true. No, it's not. Okay. Absolutely not. Sally Wiggins knows. She's been at Wigan knows. She's been a, uh, a journalist for You did it again. I can't help it, man. It's like part of... But it's not my name. I know, but it's Pittsburgh. I don't know what to tell you. Well, I, lo- I love Pittsburgh, but I love my name. I know. I just corrected it. I mean, if I had taken my husband's name, it would be Famous. F-A-M-O-U-S. What what a joke would that have been? Sally Famous? Oh, what a great would've name. would have been a nice name. would have been a great name. We're almost done. Can't You can't pluralize Famous. That would have been the good thing. Yeah. Guess the way it worked out, you're almost famous. <laughs> Dad jokes for days. It's uh, the DV Morning Show. Did I really say that on the air? Oh, my gracious. I said that on the air, didn't I? Oof. Yeah, we're still on the air. Mm-hmm. Did you not think we were on the radio right now? No, I not did, but I just can't. I just, you guys bring out the worst in people. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best. <laughs> That's what we're after. Uh, oh. Truer words have never been spoken. Now we get to listen to a copulating tortoise. Well, you're the one that turned us on to the copulating tortoise. Get turned us on? Yeah. I, Ooh. I, I can't believe I did that. I, I, the moment it came out of my mouth, I thought, you stupid idiot. Yeah, she, t- Sally Wiggin is the one that clued us in on how vocal torti are when they are copulating. Torti tortoises. Oh, I didn't want to pluralize it and offend you. But it's not a turtle. Oh, double a M's turtle is different. Here comes double M. To Why yell about here? everything he thinks. Oh my god, he's gonna say something. Hey, awful a precursor. About me. No, he's not. I know what he's gonna say. Go ahead. That looks different. Yeah, Val does look different. Mark <laughs> Madden. Were you just talking about the sports media like each other? No, I was no. talking about I was comparing the White House Correspondents Dinner, uh, where they dine with the subject they are supposed to be covering, if that somehow Im- oh. impedes their objectivity. Do does that happen in sports? Yeah, Aaron Andrews dated a bunch of athletes, then married one. But that was okay because she's the sideline princess. Brett Favre, on the other hand, sent uh, Jen Sturger a picture of his genitalia, and her career got ruined, and nothing happened to him. Funny old business to sports media. <laughs> That's the truth. I know. That I is... mean, J.J. Reddick, Jason Barrett, hey, Vincent LeCavalle. She wasn't exactly uh, Susie Colbert or anything. No, but she didn't date the athletes. Aaron Andrews dated the athletes. And she should have been laughed out of the business. That should have been embarrassed her to the point where she couldn't work in it. And she kept falling upward. Mediocre talent, dated the athletes, everything went against her, and look at her career. How do you feel about Aaron Andrews? Actually, do you know what? I have to back Mark up on this when we were Sally out Sally also dated Aaron Andrews. I did. Oh, I'm going to punch you. Um, I, I can't say that on the air, really. Now I'm going to be arrested. Tell your story, Sally. All right. We were out doing da- Dancing <laughs> with the Stars. Right. And a couple of people inside from the network said that she was... Just awful. Awful at dancing, awful at announcing. No, just promiscuous. No, no she, just, uh, was, she was, she was nasty all person. about not, not good using at her job. it for herself. Yeah, and I feel bad at what would happen to her with the peep show video because nobody should have to. No, that's separate. No, it, 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 but, but, but that doesn't mean you should date the athletes. I mean, that, that should be that should be one on one. If you're if you're male, female, no matter what in journalism, don't date the people you cover. I agree. I was told when I got this job, can't date the interns. So, can't date us either. That's right. And I haven't. Do we have interns? We did when I got hired. <laughs> now we don't. We don't there have, you go. We don't have interns anymore. <laughs>
I think somebody dated them. Oh, I know who did. <laughs> who did? What? Spill. Well, they aren't Come here on. anymore. We're not on the air anymore. Uh, yeah. Just tell us. Yeah, just. I, I think, oh, I think, Randy did. No, I didn't. I think Tom Wilson hit him all in the head. What are your thoughts on the Wilson hit? It's suspendable. It's horrible. But it won't be. It won't nothing be will happen, right? I don't know. He might get a game. Honestly, he might get a game. Uh, but you look at the Capitals the past three years against Pittsburgh. Orpik hit Mata in the head two years ago. Niskanen cross-checked Sid in the head last year. Wilson hit Dumoulin in the head yesterday. Don't tell me it's coincidence. That's just too much coincidence. But the problem is the game's run by a bunch of Canadian knuckleheads fronted by their New York lawyer who want the game to be just as much about toughness as skill, and as a result, the game gets ruined. Hockey's the best sport in the world. The NHL and its administration is hockey's absolute worst enemy. Wow. Well said. I'll be saying it again today at 3 o'clock. Well, listen to Mark. Almost worked forward. Did you, did you see my tweet from last night? No. Well, I, I saw several tweets. I usually get Google My horrible alerts. experience on I-79. Oh, boy. I, oh, my God. I almost wanted to, like, I felt bad for you. I was going to, like, send you the theme to Bambi. Well, to, to happened? read, to, I, was on, I was coming from uh, RMU Island Sports Center, and I got, you know, up from Neville Island on the, uh, on, the, uh, on the ramp up to 79, and a young deer was on 79, and it was panicking. And the cars weren't slowing down. It was like dodging cars. And finally just leaped off the bridge and fell like, what, 30 oh. feet, I'm assuming. It, it, it was Did totally... Did you jump off after it? or? Don't joke. Seriously, it's not funny. Uh, just horrible. Uh, it, it, I pulled over the side of the road for like 10 minutes. It was one of the worst things I've ever seen. That just sounds terrible. It was. It was just, it was just unbelievably bad. And like people on Twitter joking about it, I, I hope the same. Are you thing kidding me? Oh no, of course, of course, a lot of jokes. I that's just what, did it. That's what Twitter is. Well, I won't Ugh. wish any ill will on you and yours. I'm sorry, but those people on Twitter, I hope the same thing happens only with their sisters. <laughs> because that would be funny. I was just surprised that you were moved to tweet about it. It was horrible. I've literally never seen anything like that. It was unbelievable. And you watched it fall and. Sp- well, at some point it went out of my sight line, and, and, and lucky for me, I didn't see it. You know, hit the hit the pavement. Oh man! It was oh. literally. It was literally when when the deer passed out of my sight line, it was facing the sky. It was in a total backflip. Oh! <laughs> Please don't laugh. Horrific it imagery. Just, it was just horrible. Well, I'm la- I'm laughing through the pain. Oh well, okay then. I don't know how else to process that. Yeah, I've I've never seen any. Were you moved to tears? Uh, close, yeah. Close. Yeah, close. Very close. I was shocked to see you tweet about that. Yeah, it was. Well, that's one thing good about Twitter, if you're not a total <laughs> ass clown, is, no. that, is that it's it's it can be cathartic. But, you know, I had to, I, I just couldn't believe what I'd seen. But how did your fans respond? Uh, half sympathetic, half saying how funny it was. <laughs> it won't be so funny when it's their sisters. <laughs> Why are the sisters Of course, they've seen fall? their sisters on their backs a lot anyway, so. <laughs> oh, my. So no big deal. <laughs> oh. I'm glad we got you back there. You know, and for yeah. a moment, you're turning into too much of a softy, and then with that, I was liking this, Mark. Right. Well, no, that's that's revenge for wrongdoing. Yes, that's right. Those people earned that horrific remark about their sister. No, Exactamundo. Actually, <laughs> that's the Mark that I know is the one who's upset. Who's this again? This is Sally Wiggins. Oh, okay, I remember her. Wiggins. <laughs> 
You know, I, you know what I miss? I miss the old roasts where no matter who we were roasting. That's entire, what we were talking about before you walked in. The entire room turned on Sally. It's funny that you walked in. That's why I remarked we were talking about. Yeah, you especially. But. The first roast no, I ever not, did. Not me especially. Randy no, Bowman. Randy, no, and Randy you know what? You're parade. right. You're right, Mark. We've already discussed that Randy started it off. The first yeah. roast I ever was a part of was the Stan Savard roast. And I remember you came here afterwards because we were – you know, putting them out on Comcast or something. It was on demand afterwards, and you demanded that everything that be said about you be taken out. Long story short, you cut the roast in half. I mean, it was 20 minutes Did long. Did she demand everything said about her be well, taken you know, out? No, no, there were some things that were said. There were and, some and, things. And I, oh, my God, my, I'm so glad listen, they weren't my, put out there. I was afraid there. I was going to lose my job. Uh, it was that I had Nothing done that it, was, and they wouldn't let me know. It what was, if we had just left in the true stuff? There's, none of it was true. Really? No. no. It, it was all... No. None of it was. It was true. all. You were the best. You you have always been the uh, the best uh, sport about that kind of. Oh, stuff. it was great. Absolutely. And this we- is how masochistic I am. I actually was flattered with the attention. So th- th- so you can see the kind of guys I've dated all my life. Oh, I shouldn't have said that now. Oh no, because some of them listen. Uh... They still can hear. <laughs> oh. Yeah. <laughs> some of them were younger. Someday, are, they, are, are they having closed caption radio tell them all of this right do they, now? Do they still do the roast? No, no. We haven't done one since Sean Casey. Because the whole thinking was this. If it's somebody worth roasting, we'll roast them. But let's not go searching for people to roast. Because every once in a while, you pick somebody who doesn't understand what a roast is. And then they're horrified, and I'm apologizing to their aunt. I know who you're thinking of. <laughs> all right, Mark's coming ever, up. Ever hear the joke that got me off duty for that roast? Yes, no. I do. I'll it, tell uh, it again it, off the air. Yeah, <laughs> It was pretty good. It was pretty good. All right. Uh, thanks to Tim Benz. Thanks to Matthew Fridge, director of the Sheets vs. Wawa documentary. Do you got a dog in that fight? Sheets versus Wawa? Sheets, big yeah, time. Big time sheets. Not even close. Also, thanks to Seth. And again, Giant Eagle Express. Oh, yeah, the Geckos. Geckos. Yes. Uh, yeah, that might, that'll, that'll be the uh, follow-up that's my, that's documentary. That's my numero uno head honcho. Uh, their food is, is yes. pretty solid. Yeah, Seth Rohrbaugh from The Athletic. We want to thank Seth as well. And remind you, you have till 3 o'clock today to get your video in to win those tickets for the, uh, the Penguins home games against the Capitals. My apologies to Michelle for running way over. But, you know, Mark jumped in here and Sally's here. And we love you, Sally. I'm thank, sorry, Michelle. Thank you. Thank you so much, it's Sally, for coming I'm in. Sorry for my Sally's. insensitivity to, to the deer. Yeah. Sally, thanks for Let's coming. Hurry in up, today. Sally's going out with the interns. <laughs> See Come what on, he does he's being so mean. I'm, I'm sure trying to be somebody nice. has something that you can eat right off. Let's their plate. get off the air, so Michelle hey, Randy, can remember come your on. Statement for the stand roast. It wasn't the stand roast, but we're Saul not. McDowell roast. No, no, we're, we got to go. Uh, Merrill Hodge roast. Go. Thank you very Thank much. Thank you so much for making we me feel so wanted. I'm finished. You stay classy, Pittsburgh. Don't touch your face. I got him dead, Pittsburgh, all day, baby. For now, you guys call me Ronald. Would you not eat my pants? Ronald. Ah! Mm-hmm.